You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates about Star Wars films, TV series, video games, um... I usually name specific projects, but I'm like, I don't know, Book of Boba Fett, that's what we got coming up next. There's so much stuff on the horizon that we've got to talk about, but, um, you know, all those cool and exciting projects coming up uh, in the Star Wars universe that we're excited to be back talking about with you guys. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? What's up, guys? Boy, does it feel good to be back, because <laughs> it felt weird not being with you guys on the last episode, so... Definitely good to hear your voices again. I'm excited to dive into what we're going to talk about on this episode. So, yeah, definitely feels good to be back. It's great to have you back, man. It, it's, I mean, me and Kyle held it down, and it was really weird to have a really cool thing to talk, talk about with regards to, like, Star Wars Visions and not have you there. It was definitely it was a bummer. I didn't like to, to go without you, but we did, and it was fun. But I'm so glad you're back, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. I, mean, I already kind of know your thoughts, Tim, but to kind of hear you expand on it for the for the masses. I can't wait to hear all that. Yeah, I will and, say it was uh, fun being a listener for the first time, so that was a new experience. Yeah, yeah, true. And heck, you left us alone, and Paul and I, you know, managed to have a a fun civil conversation. We um, always have civil conversations. I just get up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> There's the first one for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, you <Kyle. laughs> Um, but yeah, we're definitely glad to have Tim back. Um, so since Tim missed out on the last episode, we're gonna talk a little bit more about Star Wars Visions. I'll let Tim, you know, give some of his overall thoughts on it, and then you know, Paul and I might chime in with any additional thoughts that we've had since last time. And then we've got some uh pretty big and exciting news to talk about. Um, with some of the upcoming shows and some books and stuff as well. Um, but yeah, so before we get to that, uh, Tim, I'll just throw it over to you. What were kind of some of your, um, you know, just overall impressions of uh, Star Wars Visions? Yeah, so when I watched it the first time when it premiered, um, I watched all nine of them all in a row. And it was kind of what I expected going into it, where I knew there was going to be some that probably weren't going to be for me and some that I was going to absolutely love and some that were just going to be kind of cool, but nothing great. And I think that's what it was for the most part after I watched it for the first time, there was a few in there that I just absolutely loved. and couldn't wait to see again. And then there were some was like, eh, we could have done without those. And then there were some, like, those were cool. And it'd probably be cool to revisit those at some point. But overall, I thought it was just a great new way to tell star Wars stories in that anime style. I think they just fit together so beautifully 
with the stories that we're telling and the art styles that went with it. It was just something that I'm really glad they decided to do because I hope we get more of it. I just think it was such a cool way to experience Star Wars. But I did see some people say kind of, or even before they even watched it for the first time, how they were going to do it one by one, maybe watch one a day or a few, not just binge the whole thing. Like I know we all did that Wednesday night and kind of heard that it was a, a better experience of watching them kind of individually. And I got to say, when I went back later that week or that weekend and kind of watched this an episode here or there and not watch all nine, I did appreciate some of the shorts, um, ones that were just kind of in the middle more um, than I would have just watching them all together. And I do think there is some truth to that where it might work better just as standalone shorts when you watch them. Because it just, as they, there's their own story, you don't have to compare it to the one that immediately comes after it or the one that you just watched before it. It's just, I think, a better way to view it and kind of consume and kind of get a better judgment on it, just watching them individually. So I did think that was a, a nice way to watch it as well. And just made me appreciate some of the kind of ones that were in the middle ground for me a little more so. But um, boy, the ones that I loved right away, they were even enhanced <laughs> just seeing them kind of on their own and just experience them again. And this is going to come to no surprise to you guys or probably anyone listening that The Ninth Jedi was just uh, phenomenal <laughs> and definitely my favorite of the series. And I know it is like that for most of the fans. And there's good reason for that. It's just great storytelling, great visuals, great taking, I don't want to say liberties, but doing things in different ways with Star Wars that we haven't seen before, like with the lightsabers changing colors, that big twist with the group of characters you were spending a lot of time with being the actual bad guys as the Sith. And I just love how it just kind of turned things on its head, but at the same time telling a really compelling story with great new characters that you just want to see more of. And that just immediately blew me away seeing it for the first time. I just remember after I finished watching it, I think you said the text like right after Paul, like uh, the Night Jedi is incredible. Or did you guys see the Night Jedi yet? It just kind of seemed perfectly as we were always while watching at the same time, just being blown away by what we just saw by that short. So yeah, ones like that just really stood out as far as, man, this is why they made this series <laughs> in this art style, telling this type of stories. It was all in the Ninth Jedi. So yeah, that, that one definitely stands heads above the rest. There are some that are pretty close to it, but just I don't think anything, all the other shorts quite reach that level as far as the Ninth Jedi that you just immediately fall in love with and just really captures what we love about Star Wars um, in the 22 minutes. So that was definitely the standout. And I know I'm probably going to give my rankings here in a little bit, but I might as well tell you what my absolute favorite was and the one the total opposite where I just did not like at all, which was the final short um, Akakari, if I'm saying it right. But that one fell flat on all levels for me. <laughs> the artwork, the animation wasn't my favorite. The story wasn't great. I felt it was just a, a lamer retread of Anakin trying to save the one he loves. And that makes him the main character here go to the dark side. Nowhere near as compelling as what we got with Anakin. It just, that one felt it could have been totally left off the table. I kind of hate saying that because I know uh, it's a different type of animation style. And I know everyone involved with it worked hard to make it look that way. It just wasn't for me, though. And that was one that was kind of a weak way to end the series, in my opinion, where you just have 
starts off with a bang with the duel and then you get these other shorts mixed in there that are totally different but yet still leaves you with a good exciting feeling while watching it i just felt it ended on a whimper with uh, the last one um but yeah other than that those two are like the big extremes of the opposite ends <laughs> of the series but then there's some sprinkled in of course that uh were really good and then some that were not quite as good but the only one i really didn't like was that last one um so which i think is pretty good when you got nine shorts and there's only one of them that you i probably won't revisit again <laughs> i think that's a pretty good ratio so overall i loved it i think it was something that was worth doing and worth taking i don't want to say a risk on but just doing something totally different in star wars that i don't think a lot of us were expecting a couple of years ago to see star wars done in an anime style but i'm so glad they did it now i just hope this isn't the last uh, we see of this and even if because i know we're kind of hoping there's certain stories that we see continue and maybe get some uh, sequels if they do another season but even if we get another season that's just totally brand new shorts i'd be down with that as well and i would even be curious if they ever decide to do a season where instead of doing brand new things they take familiar characters and tell these new stories or even if they want to keep that uh situation where it's not necessarily in canon and the creators have to do freedom to do whatever they want if they still take that principle but apply it to characters we're already familiar with i'd be okay with that too just seeing um some new stories uh, with the characters we all know and love already. I know we had one here with Boba Fett, but uh, just they want to expand out that and maybe do a season where it's all Star Wars visions with the characters we're already familiar with, just in stories and situations we probably wouldn't expect them to be. That would be cool too. So yeah, I think the possibilities are endless with this because it got off to such a great start with this first season. And I really think there's potential for more cool stuff down the line if they decide to do more Star Wars visions. So yeah, I think it was a big success. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's interesting how you mentioned that, like, you thought it was um, kind of worked better watching them all individually, because I think I mentioned that, too, either on our last episode or maybe it was when I, I did an episode of Rebel Cells right after that, where I was talking about these with uh, Joe and Jason over there. Um, but I kind of felt the same way, because, like, after watching them all the first time, it was kind of just, like, my couple of favorite ones, like The Ninth Jedi, The Village Bride, and uh, T.O.B. One were, like, the only ones that kind of really stuck out that I was like, oh, man, I definitely, like, can't wait to go back and rewatch those. And the rest of them, like, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, but going back and rewatching some of them individually, um, I definitely enjoyed you know, more just like as individual shorts than I did like binging it as part of a whole, you know, three hour thing. And obviously mm -hmm. like it wasn't intended for that. Like, you know, they released them all at once, but it wasn't, we all knew going into it, like it wasn't a continuous story. Like you didn't have to watch these all at once. It's just, if they drop nine episodes of something Star Wars, of course, we're all going to watch all nine episodes at once. Exactly. Like we just can't help ourselves. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was, and of course it's fun to, you know, just digest all that star wars content on the first night of a new release but um yeah i've been enjoying just going back and kind of picking different ones to rewatch and uh kind of appreciate them for their own individual stories and stuff even just before we recorded tonight um i watched uh tatooine rhapsody and the village bride again so um and i think at this point I think I've rewatched all of them at least twice at, you know, various points over the, the last month or so since it's come out. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely glad we got these. 
Um, there were some, you know, th there are some that I loved right off the bat that I still love. And there are some that I, you know, didn't love as much the first time around that I've kind of come into a new appreciation for. Um, I'm, I'm also with you. Like Akakiri didn't quite work for me. That one's kind of near the bottom. Also it's the twins. Terrible. Also, the twins still hasn't grown on me much. I know that was one that you said, Tim, um, you know, we watched these all in English for the first time and then we were texting about them and you said you watched the twins in Japanese and it was a lot better. And I I haven't seen them all in Japanese, but I watched the twins and I've watched a few other ones. I've watched maybe three or four of them in Japanese. Um, and that one was like maybe a little bit better, but still didn't really do much for me. Like, it's fine, but... I don't know. It's just that one's not my cup you know, of tea. Here, here's the deal. Like the last one, which I don't even know. I, I know if he, if he, if someone said it out loud, but I can never remember the name or care to remember the name. That one's just slow and boring to me. I, I, I just gotta tell you, if you love that one, that's fine. That's cool for me. I just, I've, I've only I've ever even finished it to be honest. Or I've, <laughs> I've seriously ignored. I'll just like, be on my phone the whole time. It's so just does not engage with me whatsoever. So yeah, I was um, the same way. In fact, even seeing it to the end made it worse when it was just like I said, it's the cheaper version of Anakin's fall to the dark side type of thing. It was like, uh. you know, but, but here's the thing. I I rewatched re it a few times, uh, you know, afterwards. And I think that the visions was a huge success. Still, I, I really do. I think um, because remember, these are shorts. They're not like full length animated features or even 45 minutes. But the longest one is like peak star wars you yeah. know as far as far as i'm concerned i mean it's like i keep thinking about the ninth jedi and i'm just thinking to myself this is what we should be getting star wars all the time like stuff like this but before i go you know obviously we could talk i could talk all day about ninth, the ninth jedi obviously and i'm not sure when we'll talk about that interview that we i, I finally read it um today kyle and i'm i'm so glad i did because there's actually some good meaty stuff in there but it's interesting. Well, I will say that I think Visions was a huge success just for, I think, from the creative standpoint of giving people um, a little bit of freedom. And they've created their own, I don't want to hate saying multiverse or or whatever, but they at least they've created themselves an avenue that's not legends and have mm -hmm. it be tied to this giant, massive thing of continuity. Uh, even though I don't think, I think legends you could have still do, you could still do that with and not have to worry about continuity as much. But and also upset a lot of people who still love Legends, you know, that Legends lore continuity, if you will. But Visions is a great example of the fact that, again, with that book coming out, with Ronan, the Ronan book coming out, you can have different kinds of stories and just slap the Visions name on it and you're good to go. And it's a, it's a new brand of Star Wars, if you think about it. So I love that. I love the fact that now they've, they have three different avenues to create Star Wars. They have the main continuity, which, again, give it to me all day. I love me some continuity. That's why I'm here. And uh, they have visions for people who want to express themselves in different ways with the Marvel Universe, but yet take some liberties with it. And you have Legends, which is obviously, if you ever want to go down the, the road of, of continuing that narrative, I think, which I, to be honest, I think it's still possible. Um, you can um, the only thing I will say about visions and I'm going to lump the book into it is, uh, I'll gotta be honest. This is where I think continuity does sell. And I think this is where continuity is a big deal. Um, I had pre-ordered it. Right. And, uh, I remembered, I was thinking to myself, I went, wait a minute, that book's not even like going to be, cause I clicked, you know, Star Wars books for the Canon shelf. Right. And I'm not a big like prose reader as far as that stuff goes. I, I literally listen to audiobooks. So when I was thinking about it, I'm like, Hmm. 
So yeah, it's a Star Wars Visions book. Ronan was a cool like miniseries, whatever, or a little short, but a whole book about it, eh, I'll skip it. And so I, I just didn't, you know, didn't worry about it. And I, I think I'm not saying everyone has to feel that way, but I feel that that's that's definitely a way where continuity does help you, even if for something I don't love, like I don't love everything everything the High Republic gives me. I'm gonna read it or at least kind of you know stay like on top of most of it because I want to know what's going on in the main continuity story. And I think that's where I think visions could maybe potentially in the future kind of like get lost and people not care about it as much. But I think if you do it kind of sporadically enough, it can keep it fresh. Just don't depend on it completely, which I don't think they will, obviously. And it remains to be seen if they even go forward with it. But um, I think visions overall is a great idea for a branding. I love it. I love the ideas. Um, I just hope, like I think Tim, you said it earlier, they kind of go, they take this, these ideas and they give us more of this, but maybe less stories and more focus and maybe 20, 30 minutes on like a ninth Jedi or not like, not the light on ninth Jedi, but something like that, where you kind of give a real meaty story, give it a little more room to breathe. Like the ninth ninth Mm -hmm. Jedi was, but um, that kind of idea, but I'll be honest. I mean, if you would, if you would have given me a 20 minute version of the twins, I would have turned it off at like five. I'm I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, just, I, I know what our biggest uh, differences are going to be as far as or where I'm going to rank the twins <laughs> compared to where you guys have it. So, Well, where, where are those rankings? Should I just go ahead and give them, I guess? Uh, really? Yeah, go ahead. I Well, yeah, I was going to bring up something, too, about um, the Ninth Jedi, but I'll save it for after we yeah. do the rankings just because, you know. The interview, too, we could talk about. So we just well, yeah, to, that's, what I was, that's what I was going to bring up. Um, yeah. But yeah, so obviously last time Paul and I both did our, our ranking lists of all the Visions episodes. So Tim, go ahead and give us yours. And then Paul, I don't know if you want to chime in with anything, but mine has changed since the last time. So I'm going to give mine again too. But um, okay. mine's yeah. pretty much the same. <laughs> so there's two that are probably going to be the biggest surprises where they rank. So first, number one, it's going to be obviously the Ninth Jedi. And then number two, I'm going to go with Lop and Ocho. I really love that one. And the type of story it was telling that sense of, you know, the family dynamic and drama that was going on, but the fact that it was told, um, your main character was an adopted member of the family and how the struggle she has with her adoptive sister. I just love how that was part of the main focus of this short and how she was kind of the one to inherit uh, the family heirloom of being a lightsaber. And I just love kind of, it had that Japanese mythical quality to it about history and family heritage, but you're lumping it in with Star Wars, Jedi, and lightsaber. The just made it so cool. So I really love that one a lot too. And the animation style for that short was one of my favorites too. And here's going to be the shocker for you guys. Number three is the twins with the Japanese dialogue on there. Hmm. Because I will say when I saw it for the first time with the English dub, I was kind of disappointed with it because this was my most anticipated short. I just felt the dub was kind of fell into that anime trap that happens sometimes with English dubs where they're just overacting and it's over dramatic and how mm-hmm. they deliver the lines. Um, and it's partially is because the animation stuff was kind of over the top as well. So I'm sure the vocal performances kind of go for that over the top feeling as well. But that really took me out of it. And a lot of the kind of big moments between uh, the brother and the sister, especially when they're kind of in that final climactic battle. Some of the dialogue this just kind of really took me out of it and the delivery of it. But once I watched it in Japanese, it just felt a lot more natural. And it's just like you're watching an anime. And But because at the core, I think there's a really cool story there between two siblings who were raised in the dark side. 
And I really liked the costume designs they had, too, for their armor uh, and how the armor was kind of the source of their power or part of the source of their power, too. I just really loved that aspect. And, yeah, I kind of went to extremes and over-the-top battles, but you had to get one of those type of stories and shorts in it, Star Wars anime, because there's a lot of animes that does that. So um, it was kind of good to have one that was going crazy with the battles and all those lightsabers and destroying a Star Destroyer with an overcharged lightsaber on an X-Wing. I mean, it's ridiculous, but <laughs> in that anime style, I thought it worked. So I really did enjoy that one once um, the performances was a lot better with the Japanese uh, dialogue on there. So that was uh, moved up once I was kind of relieved when I saw the Japanese one because I was like, man, I was really looking forward to this one. But those performances on the English dub really took me out of it. But the Japanese raised it back up to me where it was one of my favorites. And then uh, number four, I'm going to go with The Elder. That one started off a little bit slow when you're just kind of in the ship with the Master and the Apprentice. But once they got to that planet and there was that mystery about um, this old uh, hermit that's been walking the mountains and uh, killing animals, I just love the mystery and the buildup to his reveal and how it was uh, someone who was a Sith or there was like you knew it was a Sith, but you, his uh, reasons for being there and his kind of his backstory was a mystery and I like that aspect of it and that was probably my favorite lightsaber battle um, of all the shorts the sound on it was really cool mm-hmm. it reminded me a lot of the Phantom Menace lightsaber duels where that's just the greatest sound design of the lightsabers ever or the greatest sound mix of the lightsabers and it was just great so I really like that one a lot and then number five was the duel thought a great way to kick off uh, get it, bringing you into the Star Wars visions with its unique style and it's really going in on the Japanese culture and the look of the characters. I thought it was just really cool and different and a cool lightsaber fight as well um, with some great visuals. So that one was a great way to kick it off or kick off the series, I thought. And then number six um, is going to be uh, the the Village Bride, which I might be surprised it's that low on the list. But <laughs> this is what I enjoyed. But I, didn't, I really like the main character uh, who... She hasn't gotten the name other than F, right? <laughs> Nothing has been revealed yeah. or announced besides that because uh, she was a cool character. I liked her. Her design was great with that mask she had covering her face, kind of still being in hiding because of Order 66. And just a great reveal for the character kind of at the end uh, when she, pulling a, a Kylo Ren move on there, there which looked cool in that animation, anime style as well. So um, I did like that one, but at the same time, I thought it was a little slow in the beginning, but I did like the overall story that they're trying to tell in that short. And then number seven, I'm going to go with T.O.B. One. Um, this one was a nice surprise, I will say, because seeing the little clips of it, I kind of didn't know what to if it was going to be one that was geared way towards younger audiences and might have been the ones that wouldn't be uh, one that I would enjoy too much. But I actually ended up enjoying it a lot. And this was one or seeing it just by itself on a second viewing, um, I thought worked a lot. I enjoyed it a lot more that way because it is a kind of charming story of telling the, the the Star Wars version of Astro Boy and Mega Man, and just kind of cool seeing it a Star Wars Jedi story be told in that type of animation style and that type of story of a robot. And I don't know if because I, I, they didn't really imply it on the behind the scenes feature. I don't know if I reading too much into it but i kind of got the impression watching it the second time because they don't flat out say it but um that the doctor modeled the robot after like his own apprentice that he had 
or I don't know if something happened to the apprentice that he got killed, but um, he decided to, when he was in hiding to make a robot be his next apprentice, kind of take over that, but was modeled after an old apprentice he has. Did you guys get that vibe at all? Because I kind of got that, especially when they had that flashback, not a flashback sequence, but when I think it was when he got his lightsaber and he has that dream sequence where he's talking or the vision where he's talking to the doctor and I might be getting it mixed up with another part, but there was a moment in the short where you kind of see him as a normal, a normal boy as a Jedi Padawan. And it just made me think if that's how he really was beforehand until um, the doctor modeled him after his, his real apprentice. I don't know if I'm reading too much into that, but that's kind of how I took it, which I don't know, kind of makes it more interesting and a little, uh, have a little darker spin to it <laughs> than when you watch it. But uh, I think it's kind of a different, cool little layer that, I don't know if it was intended, but something that I took out of it that makes it work a little better, at least for me anyway. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Um, and I don't know it. I don't think I've watched the behind the scenes for that one. Um, I honestly don't remember because it's been a while. But I yeah, I haven't watched all the the behind the scenes stuff yet. Um, so I don't remember them saying that. And I don't think it's clearly mm-hmm. laid out in the short. But I definitely could see that being a possibility. I like that idea, though. Um, whether that was intentional or if it's just something that you can kind of, um, I don't know, interpret it that way. But, um, can I, can I say that I thought that like the the boy robot, I almost thought for a minute he was actually a real boy, but just metal over him. And he didn't know he was real. Huh? Oh, I mean. like a child version of Darth Vader. He was badly. (laughs) No, 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 no. Like, like he, no, like he literally was like a, um, like a real person he didn't know he was real underneath and then like found out oh i'm a real boy like you've been real this whole time i just was told you to protect you kind of a thing <laughs> like i know that sounds really far-fetched and weird but i mean it's manga i mean what, or what or anime, anime. What you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> either um, way yeah it could it makes you think of like why just that the doctor did create the the robot to be like that this in the back of my mind, there's like there's more to it than what they're leading on. Yeah, story. yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I kind of I picked up on that too. And by the way, I want to say too, I really appreciate the fact that you uh, and Kyle. I I, I want to also give you props because I listened to your last show on Rebel Cells that um you're you give um Chop and Ocho um you know more respect, and I really appreciate the fact that you gave it you know number two because that was one that I again I have obviously a lot of more reason i think than all three of us to have to love that that sure. short you know and again i must say like you have to like it you know i just I, I i try to be as objective as possible with that episode of that little short but i really do think it's a pretty good episode like i'm, I'm like man and i've seen some people talk crap about it like not you caught obviously but i mean like before and people have been like oh, I don't like that one. That one's okay whatever i'm just like that one has like visually is like visually stunning in places you know and and i mean yeah it's a ridiculous like rabbit looking character which again i love the nod to you know jackson basically is what you know if you watch the special features (laughs) (laughs) it's so amazing i'm like jackson's influencing star wars visions or you know like it's like you know we never thought this day would come um but it was really cool to hear you talk about how I, I, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm misremembering but it, it raised in your rankings a little bit correct well we'll we'll get there Okay, but I, I I just gotta say that I appreciate the fact, Tim, that you have it so highly, you know, in your rankings, and I think that like that it just it to me I feel that that one's the most underrated of all of them. I think everyone everyone's for the most part 
you know, a lot of our top lists are all pretty much pretty close one way or another, whether or not the you know ones or whatever. But the top fives are usually always always the same. And I feel like Chop uh, and Ocho, um, they get kind of a, a bum. It is Lop and Ocho. Lop and Ocho. <laughs> yeah. I can't say Chop and Ocho. Lop and Ocho. Excuse me. Um, I never know. I don't know anyone's names. Everyone knows this. Um, but Lop and Ocho, it's nice to see. You know, a little. It feels like it's gotten a little more respect, but I'm, I appreciate the fact you have it so highly in yours. I, I think it's rightfully so. I, I think it's visually beautiful, at least. You may not like the rabbit, whatever. I can understand that, but I think like a lot of the grain, um, a lot of the green, it really adds to the grittiness. And I think the the dirtiness and realism of Star Wars that we love so much about the, this universe and this and uh, this franchise that Lucas really went out to really you know create a real lived-in universe. And that to me. This episode of all of them feels the most lived in, in my opinion. It was also the one, too, where, along with the Ninth Jedi, where it's like, this can't be the end of the story and the last we see of these characters. I mean, it has. Mm-hmm. we have to see more <laughs> where right. their I mean, struggles go to and how their conflict ends. So hopefully that is one that we get a future story told with these characters down the line, especially how quickly and abruptly it ended, too. <laughs> that was like maybe my one knock on it. Yeah. Could have had a little more of a, I guess, finality to it or a closure to it even and still keep it open-ended like we got but it just like that ended and that was it it's like oh wow okay i guess that's it for this one yeah no uh tim did you finish your rankings or did you have no i still got my last two which you should probably figure out by now number eight is going to be tatooine rhapsody uh this one going in i knew it wasn't going to be my favorite but I didn't end up hating it like uh, I was afraid I might too, because there is still some stuff that's enjoyable about it. I mean, re- getting to hear Timmy or Morrison as Boba Fett's reason enough to where it's not <laughs> going to be awful, but um, it had a little bit of its, its own charm too. But the animation style wasn't my favorite. Um, and again, just that whole uh, aspect of a band that's trying to make it in, in the Star Wars galaxy was something unique for it that you don't see every day that added to its charm. But I really also kind of like the idea of that the main character was a Jedi. I believe it was a Padawan who was escaped Order 66. And this is where his life took him. And that's a different aspect to go with that, where a former Jedi is now a leader of the band of, of a rock band, which uh, is cool. And I did like how he used his lightsaber handle as a microphone. <laughs> I thought uh, that's got to be something more people do or more bands do now. Just have like a microphone sh- shaped as a lightsaber. It's too cool not to use. Uh, but still, even though it wasn't as bad as I feared it was going to be, it still wasn't one of my favorites either. And then, like I said before, number nine, Akakiri, definitely far below all the rest on this list like i said not i hate to bag on it but it might have been better off if star wars visions was just eight shorts and not nine and um anaka curry wasn't on there i'm sorry but but it's just something that was very forgettable and i don't think is not nowhere near any of the other ones so yeah that is my ranking for them yeah nice um you know it's funny because um i had talked about this last time too and paul when you were saying that like you know, a lot of us are probably going to have a lot of the same ones in the top spots. Um, one thing that I really like about Visions, though, is I feel like not everybody necessarily has even the same ones at the top. Like, I would say a lot of people, from what I've seen, like, a lot of people love the Ninth Jedi and the Village Bride. Um, 
which, you know, obviously for all of us, those were near the top of our list. But even, you know, for Tim, The Village Bride was somewhere in the middle. And I've seen that for other people as well, where like, you know, not everybody has those two at the top. And some people have, like, I've seen people where their number one was Lapanocho or The Twins or The Duel. Um, and I've seen a couple people with, you know, ones like The Ninth Jedi, like way lower on their list. And, you know, especially, well, you know, <laughs> with with one like uh, like T.O.B. one, which I really loved. And then, you know, a lot of people have that one lower on their list, but some people love it as much as I do. So I really just like that this is, you know, this has got something for everybody. And um, even if I, I think we would all agree that, like, regardless of which ones are your favorites, there's like there's a few you know, maybe two or three that are like fantastic and then a few that are pretty good and then probably a couple that are like not your favorite. But, um, you know, regardless of which one it is, I feel like there's something in here that everybody can really enjoy and really latch onto. Um, and I feel like overall this has been getting a, a good positive reception to the point that, you know, this has been out for like a month and I still see people talking about it and talking about which episodes and characters are their favorites and i follow some people on twitter that have been doing some really cool like fan art of some of the characters and stuff so um yeah it's been kind of a a breath of fresh air to see you know people just enjoying this new take on star wars um but like i said i wanted to just give my updated rankings there's really only two things that have kind of changed on here um one being that my top two have flip-flopped because last time uh, I said The Village Bride was my number one and The Ninth Jedi was my number two, um, which is still, you know, the way I felt watching it the first time. And I still will say, I think the The, the Village Bride is a bit more um, kind of unique and artistic. And, um, you know, I The Ninth Jedi is kind of just more familiar Star Wars. Like it, it doesn't necessarily feel like something that has to be an anime. It's not super stylized or artistic, but it's just a really good Star Wars story. But the more I've watched it and the more I've thought about it, I've really fallen in love with that story and those characters. And it's easily out of all of these, the, the thing that I want to see the more of, see more of. Um, and I absolutely love the music. Oh, that was one thing I was going to mention too. So the uh, the soundtrack albums, there's uh, an individual soundtrack album for each episode of Star Wars Visions that's now available on like Apple Music and Spotify and all that. So um, I've been really enjoying checking those out. And uh, again, those my, my top two episodes, The Ninth Jedi and The Village Bride, I think it's, um, you know, not really a coincidence that part of the reason I love both of those so much is they definitely have my two favorite soundtracks out of all the episodes as well. And there's just some beautiful music in there. Um, but yeah, so so my top two have have switched positions. So The Ninth Jedi is my number one, Village Bride is my number two. And then I still have um, T.O.B. one at number three, uh, The Duel at number four. And then the other big change is that Lop and Ocho, I now have at my number five spot and it's moved up from like seven, seven or eight or wherever I had it before. Honestly, I could kind of say that Lop and Ocho and The Elder are kind of a tie for my number five spot. I mean, those two could kind of flip flop between five and six. Um, but I like the, I definitely like the story of Lop and Ocho more. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's got a much more deep and personal story to it and you can kind of get invested in the characters more. The Elder is a lot more sort of simple, straightforward story. It's like Jedi flying through space. One of them has a bad feeling about this. They land on a planet, they find a bad guy, they fight the bad guy, they go home. Um, it's- What's wrong with that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but it's just, you know, there's definitely 
more, uh, you know, sort of deep and compelling stories in here. And But yeah, there's nothing wrong with a, a simple story that's executed well. But like, I would totally agree with what you said, Tim, that the Elder has my absolute favorite lightsaber duel out of all of these. And that's, you know, included like the duel obviously was fantastic. All the lightsaber battles in the Ninth Jedi were, you know, super great. But just the, I think the real quick choreography and editing of those fights with with that old Sith guy, um, it really felt like, you know, it had that feel of like a, a Japanese, you know, sword fight. Um, and didn't even, you know, it, it kind of, it, it felt different and unique from what we've seen from lightsaber duels before because mm -hmm. it didn't quite feel like, you know, just a, like a prequel style lightsaber duel where they're swinging the sabers all over the place. It was very quick, very precise. And the the sound design on it was just so sort of direct and visceral. And, you know, you could almost feel every one of those swings and lunges. And so um, that was really great. Um, but like I said, I think, you know, that is is right up there for me with the story of Lop and Ocho and just the the world and the characters that that created. So um that's my five and six and then after that i have uh tattooing rhapsody at number seven um and i actually have akakiri at number eight and then the twins at number nine uh. <laughs> yeah i mean it, like akakiri i said that makes one... the twins look like citizen kane <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. i don't know i that was one that like because again i I think Lop and Ocho and then also Akakiri were two that really suffered for me watching it like blended in with everything else, you know, binging them all for the first time. Um, and, you know, when I went back and watched uh, Lop and Ocho again, I really appreciated that one more. But also Akakiri, like I still don't love it. And I know it's it's just kind of weird and offbeat and kind of slow. But I don't know. There's part of me that sort of appreciates that. And it definitely is like very artistic. And it does have some beautiful scenery in there, even though the, you know, the animation style of the characters is kind of weird, but um, I don't know. There's, there's something about it that's like, you know, when you, when you see like a piece of art in a museum or something, that's like, that's not necessarily my personal taste. Like I don't love it, but I can appreciate, you know, its place here and, and just, you know, sort of what went into making it. And so I still, that one gets just gets the the one up on the twins for me just because again the twins is is just everything that I don't like about anime with like you mentioned Tim just the melodrama and the overacting and and all that kind of stuff um and even though you know there are kind of some cool fun concepts in there with the the lightsaber crystals and the costumes and all that kind of stuff it was just that one just didn't work for me and I watched it in Japanese and it was a little bit better um, but it's still, it wasn't like a whole new experience or anything. So I'm still putting that one at the bottom of the list. You know, I, I gotta say this too. I think one of the things that I think they underestimated was the playlist, the, the play in order. Cause I feel that they did Lop and Ocho a giant disservice by having it play right afterwards. And I feel when you compare Ninth Jedi to any of those, it's those. I think the only ones that you could really play afterwards and it would work well is the very first one, Ronin episode, or I think the Village Bride. Which Village Bride and that are what back to back already. But like, yeah, I feel... it was Village Bride and then Ninth Jedi. But to be fair, Lop and Ocho isn't after the Ninth Jedi. It's after Tob One. Oh, it's actually yeah, after the like... Elder. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about the Elder. Yeah, 
Yeah, TOB one uh, is, oh, my bad. My is bad. the sixth one, then the elder is the seventh one, then it's Lopinocho, and then Akakiri. See, I think they should have ended it with the ninth Jedi. I mean that would end yeah. the series with an absolute bang. Yeah. I would agree with that. Can't have everything apparently. Yeah. I don't even know where yeah. you would place Akakiri to have it fit somewhere. <laughs> like you'd, have it just... be a, you'd have it be a bonus like Disney Plus um, streaming exclusive to pay like 30 bucks for but <laughs> Free, <laughs> <premier. Top> secret <laughs> Exclusive Star Wars thing. It's so good. You have to pay $30 to watch it and then you're going to be really mad. <laughs> um, but Paul, you said you hadn't really changed your ranking at all, right? No, it's pretty much the same. I, you know, I, I to be honest, I, I'd have to like, I bet if I rearranged it right now, it'd be maybe even a little bit different. But like, I can't, I can just tell you which ones I loved off the bat, which are obviously my Jedi, Lopinocho, um, Ronin, uh, Village Bride. Um, and after that, it gets a little, you know, I'd say obviously the, um, oh my gosh, the, the duel. Um, and then it gets a little bit murkier from there for me. Um, I, I do think it most, one of the most, one of the more underrated, underappreciated ones is probably uh, the most, or I'm sorry, was it Bohemian or most icy Rhapsody? Which one was Tatooine it called? Rhapsody. Oh, uh, Tatooine Rhapsody. Rhapsody. That one's not bad. That one's pretty fun. I think that's that to me is like one of the ones that like people probably will give more crap to, which I actually thought was way better than I was anticipating. Yeah, well, like I said, it was one that I was expecting to be my least favorite, and ended up. This is my second least favorite, but still one that I could still watch and still be entertained with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one that for me, it was, you know, again, kind of a a pleasant surprise the first time. And I'm the same way. Like it's my number seven. So it ended up near the bottom. But like I said, I just uh, I just rewatched that one earlier today before we recorded. So it's still one that I don't mind going back and rewatching. It's still pretty fun. And um, just on on, you know, watching it the first time with that being like the second one in the lineup. That was one that I wasn't necessarily looking forward to. And I was like, okay, let's just kind of get this one out of the way and ended up being like, oh, okay, that was surprisingly fun. So, though, so Paul, you did create that awesome uh, GIF or short video of the Ithorian just bobbing his head to the music. Oh, <laughs> God. I was, I was, I, I love that. See, and that's the thing. I think to me, you know, even though it's not the best one of the, of the nine. It's little things like that that go a long way, I think, with Star Wars fans. And I think that's a great example of, I wouldn't even say Easter eggs, it's having fun with the world. I think that's yeah. one thing that Dave Filoni has flourished in. And I think George Lucas always did a little bit more in the prequels. And uh, he tried to have fun with it, even though, you know, he felt the pressure of everyone, you know, being like, oh, like little baby Anakin, all, you know, all that crap. He still tried to have fun and like do little fun things in it and, and not take it completely seriously. And also try to give a little bit of, you know, again, a little bit of an Easter egg, you know, and throughout the entire films. And I think, again, Dave Filoni does an amazing job of that. It's that it's that TLC and love of of those little things that go, I think, far with Star Wars fans. It's not just always the best stories, which, again, I mean, if you do like someone like Dave Filoni, you're not, you're not going to hit home runs every time. You're going to get doubles and singles. And those are b- aren't bad either. But it's the stuff around it that, that makes the stories. Then it's, you know, again, it's to use more baseball analogies. It's the, you know, the. They're, you know, making the nice play in the second base or whatever, or stealing the base at second. It's not always the stuff that stands out necessarily, but it's the little things that kind of add up overall, you know, over time. And I think things like that really add up for Star Wars fans. And when you, and again, Mandalorian's another great example. That's also Dave, Dave Filoni. But again, giving us fans little things, again, um, not even little things, giving us fans to something to chew on without being too, you know, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. 
and also like just you know giving us the those that time and appreciation it shows you that you you care about what we care about even though you're not giving us like you know i'm gonna make it this for the fans and it's only for the fans like you know saying stuff like that which will only get you in trouble and, and make everyone hate your guts probably because not everyone loves the same things as star wars has so pleasantly shown us over the last eight years so <laughs> you know uh but yeah, I mean, I think I think despite that, I think I think the series, and to me, sums up of the vast, um, uh, to be honest, diversity. And I know that's kind of a, a word everyone loves to use, but I'm gonna say it. I think I think it shows you everyone the diversity and, and the, everyone's rankings, like you said, Cal, a little bit um, for the most part. Um, you know that it's how everyone looks at things differently in Star Wars, and it is a very diverse audience. You know, for better or for worse, if you, depending on who you what you consider. For me, it's for the better. I, I, well, I I always want the best and more interesting stories, and I may not love every story, but at least you're you know going for it. Unless you're the Last Jedi, but anyway. Um, sorry, I had to get that in there. Uh, I had to get in there. Uh, it's, it's, it I don't know if you made a Last Jedi jab yeah. when I wasn't here, but you had to do it when I was here. Right? Exactly. <laughs> no, but I mean, oh, but, so you know, it's all Tim's fault that this stuff goes down. Tim. I see. <laughs> Tim. Um, no, I, I just I just feel that it's great to see the examples of Star Wars fandom being shown through something like this and how it really is a very diverse fandom. Like most fandoms are very diverse or a lot of fandoms are, but I feel like star Wars is for, for some insane reason or not even insane reason. Just it's, you know, it's for what it is. It just, you know, represents a lot of different people and that's awesome. So it's good to see that represented through these nine episodes. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I wanted to mention too, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, Paul, with this interview about, uh, the ninth Jedi, there was an interview that, um, the director of the Ninth Jedi, whose name is Kenji Kamiyama, um, he did an interview with a Japanese site called Oricon News, and uh, this person named Norsk Akiruno on Twitter basically translated and, and gave the gist of the interview in English um, in this big long Twitter thread. And if you haven't, I mean, if you if you're as hyped about the Ninth Jedi as we are, and you haven't checked out this interview yet, I would definitely recommend checking oh, it out. Yeah. Either just find it on Twitter, or there's plenty of like Star Wars news sites that have posted their own like recap articles of this. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but I mean, it's it's a long, in-depth interview where he talks about his thought process um, of just you know building out this story and everything. And uh, I mean, it's really fascinating and really cool to see just the attention to detail and the level of, of care and stuff that he put into it. You kind of get that sense from watching the behind the scenes uh, episode for this short that's yeah. you know on Disney Plus with like the behind the scenes stuff for Visions. I went and watched that right after our last episode, Paul, like you told me to. Um, and, and it was awesome. And absolutely loved it. Oh yeah, just, yeah. you know, again, seeing, seeing what, went into it and you know just the you know all the stuff they did to make it and again seeing like the live orchestration and then performing the music which was one of my favorite parts of the episode was really cool um but also hearing them talk about the possibility of seeing where this story could go and i'm like yes give us more uh, yeah um but uh i mean again you you get even more of a sense of just how how invested this guy is and, and how much uh thought he put into um, just the state of the galaxy and the different factions and really, you know, he said he took like two weeks and just mapped out sort of the whole backstory of this and, and everything that was going on uh, in this this time period, which, you know, it is confirmed. I think we kind of already assumed this, yep. but this is supposed to be an undisclosed amount of time after the rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, good. Because I remember that I was up for debate as far as even like before I even saw it and reviews were coming out, we're saying, oh, this, I even some people thought it was like during pre 
or after post order 66 i was like no nah, that doesn't seem right but i love the idea of it was like way after rise of skywalker like so far down the line that the lightsabers are such ancient relics and treasures that just seeing one just brings like disbelief as we saw to the characters. So I love that that's confirmed because I haven't had a chance to read that, but that's how I always wanted it to be just somewhere way down the line after Rise of Skywalker. Now, yeah. I, I, I gotta, I gotta piggyback off this. There's a couple things here that are really crucial in this interview that I, when I read, I was like, yes, well, one, yeah, the confirmation, it only seemed natural this to be because especially, um, well, the fact that like, and again, how lightsabers have almost evolved at that point, that's what I looked at it this mm-hmm. episode, but which I love so much. The fact that, you know, the blade would literally turn color as you touched it, whether it's before mm-hmm. again. And then bring but it back. Also the, just to jump in real quick, like, cause I've heard a lot of people talk about that. Like, and obviously the fact that, you know, the lightsabers as we know in the movies and stuff don't do that. And people are like, oh, maybe this is, you know, in a different time period where lightsabers are different and whatever. But also we know that uh, Lajima, um, you know, Kara's dad is like a, a very skilled, right. you know, sabersmith who creates these lightsabers. And he specifically mentions, he says, I tempered the crystals specifically to do this. And so, um, you know, I think through, obviously this was an intentional thing that he did through whatever technique he uses to sort of forge these kyber crystals and create the lightsabers and stuff. And so even, you know, they could go out into the galaxy and maybe find other Jedi or Sith who have lightsabers that don't do that. Um, well, so it's not necessarily a thing where like, oh, in this particular story or in this time period of the galaxy, every lightsaber can change colors. It's like he specifically made those crystals to do that. I kind of like the idea, too, where it's like since lightsabers are so rare in this time period that like future lightsabers are all going to be based off kind of like how he makes or See, yeah, with the crystals. Yeah, and that kind of becomes the norm. Yeah. Let's rebuild the order. I think that would be a cool way to go with it, too. Go ahead, Tim. Sorry. I was going to say, I just love that idea of something that that the Ninth Jedi did that was different as far as the lightsabers changing color on who's touching touching the lightsaber. I think that just amplifies more that connection between you and the Kyber crystal, how it's manifesting uh, the color your color only when you touch it. I just love that aspect of the lightsabers that we haven't uh, seen done before. I've heard that there has been stories in legends probably that did that but none yeah. that i've ever read but this is so cool seeing it on screen for the first time and yeah. i i want to say for the record that i think this is where i took it as and i think you're right i think i think we're all right in some in some ways and that's why i love what their idea was because i took it as again with the the state of the force right that's what i feel that that's what the force is reflecting into these lightsabers you know it, lightsabers is the, the crystal is the heart of the jedi right and mm-hmm. I feel like they're in their connection to the force, you know, is kind of like, you know, they're all tied together. If, and again, some of the, I think the, the better ideas that they didn't are doing in the high Republic is the fact that they're acknowledging that the, the, the Jedi were more in tune with the force. And that's why you have different colored lightsabers and they, and they all are reacting differently to the Jedi opposed to then. And we see in the prequels. And I like the idea that you said, Tim, how this, this guy has modified the lightsaber. Let's be real or not be real, but let's kind of think about this where maybe at that point that the lightsabers are so attuned to force Jedi and they're so rare that they only they naturally just react to the force because they don't see it very often. Does that make sense? Mm. Like maybe no, it's, yeah, I follow. 
there's something like there's some there's that the connection is so vital to the lightsaber that it oh, it has to change color. Whereas back in these days, again, we're so far backwards that it's just like it's everywhere. But maybe the force is so more limited for whatever reason, it only makes sense for it to do that. And he and maybe the 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 um the the whatever you want to call him, the the swordsman, he modified the lightsaber to even do that even drastic more drastically based on that reason. I don't know. I, I just I like the idea of toying with those ideas and that that stuff is there. And one last thing I want to piggyback on what you said I thought was really fascinating was he went out and sat down for two weeks and mapped the story out. It was this is a 20 minute story. It wasn't like they said make a movie. Dude spent two weeks straight working on it. And I know, I mean, but like, it's the fact that like he didn't spend like three days. I mean, like, think about it. Someone says, you know, you probably had a limited time, but maybe they said, you know, we don't know the, everything about it, but it probably told them like, you know, we're thinking about doing this. We haven't, you know, given the green light yet. And maybe he, that's what he took it upon himself to, you know what, I'm taking this time out and I'm going to work my A off and I'm going to develop this. And it just really shows you the TLC that he has for the lore. And it shows, I think that's the biggest thing for about it is here. You see the TLC, you see the work and you see the, the lore that he built himself in two weeks. It's really <laughs> impressive. And I just want, I just got to say that I, I think there's a reason why, and I think it says last time too, probably, but if I didn't know well, is that it to me it seems obvious that Lucasfilm gave him or gave that company the longest running time for a reason. I think they saw the potential of this immediately and went, okay, this is this is something we gotta you know keep our eyes on. And I I don't it only makes sense for me then for the continue it in somehow in some way. Well, not only that, but you mentioned this one being the longest runtime, and they I think it was in the behind the scenes short that they addressed that. Where they said, because you know how some studios did two episodes, because um, there's right. like nine shorts and there's like seven animation studios that worked on these. I think there's two studios that did two episodes each. And it sounds like this group, Production IG, was also going to do two episodes at first, or at least this guy had two different story ideas, um, which one of them, one story idea was about the the group of the Masterless Jedi um, and, and dealing with the Sith and everything. And then this other story was about Kara and her father and building these lightsabers and stuff. And as he was kind of developing both stories simultaneously and working with Lucasfilm on them and just kind of bouncing ideas back and forth, because I guess initially the, the parameters that they had given all the studios was to have the runtime for each short be 10 to 15 minutes. And, um, as they as they were kind of workshopping these idea these two separate ideas he had they realized hey this would be great merged into one story that you know this group of masterless jedi could be who kara and her father are making the lightsabers for and we can kind of connect these two storylines and then he had to find a way to connect them in a climax that kind of was a culmination of both stories um but once he did that you know then they realized like well because this is two parallel storylines like this is going to have to be longer than 15 minutes and so that's why this one ended up being the longest one um which i'm so glad that they did because again like this by far feels like the most fleshed out story the the most complete sort of world building and uh you know i think like obviously all three of us and a lot of other people want to see more stories with this group and and just kind of see this this little corner of the the timeline that they've um established see that fleshed out more and see this story continue um but on that note he also mentions in this interview that he's got the rest of the story mapped out and you know would love to do this as a feature-length film which i would be 
totally on board for. Personally, I kind of would prefer to see it as an ongoing series. Um, but either way, I mean, if he thinks the story would work better as a movie, um, I'm all for it. Like Lucasfilm, give him the green light. I just hope, I would hope that whether it's a series or it's a movie, I think it would be better suited to release on Disney Plus as opposed to trying to do it as a theatrical film. But I kind of just say that selfishly because if it's a theatrical release, we're not going to get to see it till like 2027. Um, unless <laughs> no. Disney just, unless they just bump it up earlier on their slate or, you know, decide to, to release it, you know, add it into their schedule. This is, but this is all gravy, Kyle. I mean, you could really, this is the beauty of, I think, animation. This is all, you're playing with house money. You can put this out and you're going to make a little bit of money. And you're not, not going to make anything close to it's, it's going to make more than the Clone Wars movie. Let's be real. Oh yeah. But so I put some liquor from my mouth. I'm eating at the same time. Um, here's the thing. You put this movie out in a theater. You put the Ninth Jedi out. It's an hour and a half. Instantly, Star Wars fans, everyone's going to want to go see it as far as Star Wars fans goes. And a lot of families who want to bring their kids, you know, really funny, you know, kind of thing. Like, okay, whatever. And you don't have to put it as as a, as a special release or, or part of your film slate. And you can put it on Disney Plus in like two months. And then you win. You make a little extra money. You put a Star Wars Visions. I mean... Again, you can be even even promote it as a special limited window of like a month window, thirty window of like you know see it on the big screen like you know how you know the way Star Wars is intended to be like how Dune's like you know you know was rightfully so. But you get what I'm saying like you can you can even like promote it like a it's Star Wars it has to be seen on the big screen go see it on the big screen whatever and like throw it on there. But either way, I mean Disney Plus or live or both, it'd be awesome. I think a movie. I, I, I understand why you'd want it to be a, a TV series, but if he has a, a definitive ending, I think is you know give it to him or even a mini series. That's the thing for me is I think where I think it could probably go to. It's probably going to be a mini series for Disney Plus, and I think that's a great idea too. But but yeah, I I I think it's it would be a huge upset I think at this point if they don't go back and do something with the Ninth Jedi, considering how popular it's been. Yeah, I think at this point, it's just kind of a wait and see. Like there were several interviews um, from like producers of uh, Star Wars Visions, like just the producers at Lucasfilm that, you know, they did a lot of press and stuff around the time that this was released. And it's hard to, it's always kind of hard to tell like when they're just being coy um, and not wanting to talk about stuff that's in, in development and not ready to be announced yet. But like, people were always asking them like, are there plans to do more? Is there plans to continue any of these stories or to do a season two of visions? And their answer was always just kind of like, there's nothing concrete right now, or we don't have any definitive plans yet, but we'll kind of just wait and see what the reception is and what the fans want and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, we got to get more of this stuff at some point because also, and I, I can't remember the producer's name right now, but he did mention um, that, you know, with like the Ronin novel coming out, for example, that that won't be the last Visions tie-in thing that like now that this is out, they're going to want to capitalize on it and they're going to want to do tie-ins and crossovers and that kind of stuff. So if anything, we might get, uh, you know, some more novels or comics or manga even that maybe fleshes out some more of these stories. Ninth um, Jedi novel. Whoa. I mean, now, no, now that would... the opposite reaction. I was like, no. Nah. Night Jedi, that story is so good it has to continue. No, hold on. I I'm I'd be glad to get more of that tie-in stuff for any of these stories in general. But yes, with the Ninth Jedi in particular, I definitely want to see that on the screen. 
Um, if they said, you know, oh, we're not doing more visions, but you know, here's a novel that fleshes out the whole story of the ninth Jedi. Like that would be cool, but it would be like, you know, it's like when you get really invested in the Clone Wars Backstory. and then you get something Backstory. like the like Dark Disciple again. <laughs> yeah, when you get Dark Disciple or the um like the Disciple. Son of Daphne no, comics stuff like but that. You want where to see it's on like screen. <laughs> Yeah, where it's like listen, it's it's great that the story is continuing, but you guys, want to see it on screen. Guys, so listen, I'm not I'm like the king of visual media. Yeah, you know, I mean, come on. Like I, I am not I, I am not a book guy really. But if you give me you know, if, if Ronin is, is is financially successful, and and there, if and I, I'll be honest, I am all. I mean, I know nothing. I'm very, very. I I just I think it would be a huge upset if they just. I I, I think Ninth Jedi, there's more than Night Jedi coming. I just feel it in my bones. Yeah, there's something coming. Well, well, you kind of you kind of derailed my initial thought here, which was I'm, I didn't finish yet. Um, all right, fine. Because I was starting to say like that was all that they would kind of confirm was that we'll at least get more tie-in stuff. But with that said, again, with the with the fan reaction to it, with the fact that this guy's got more ideas for for where he wants the story to go, I think. I mean, I would love to see at at the very least like a Vision season two where maybe like half of the shorts are new ideas and, you know, new stories. And then half of them are maybe continuations of, of ones from the first season. Because again, we definitely need to see more of the Ninth Jedi continued, but also like Lop and Ocho, you know, again, ends kind of on a cliffhanger. And like, I would, you know, I definitely would want to see more of that story and see if there's sort of a resolution there. Um and, you know, you could tell more stories with, like, uh, the Ronin character from the duel and, uh, you know, some of those other characters would not even necessarily need to be, like, a sequel episode necessarily, but just, you know, you could tell other stories with those characters. Um, so that's, like, sort of the bare minimum. I mean, like, at least give us another Visions anthology and, and let some of these stories continue. But, yes, the Ninth Jedi in particular is just so right for, like, continuing that story on either again as a movie or as a series or something like that and the um, again the amount of fan love for it the fact that the directors got these ideas the fans want to see it i'm like disney balls in your court just give them the green light and uh let's see what they can do and again that's why i said like they they at least when this was released they were saying oh there's nothing in the works confirmed yet or anything like that but we've got uh that disney plus day coming up in a couple weeks now um, gosh, I can't believe that's already, it might be like three weeks away, but we're already getting close to the end of October and it's, uh, November 12th is Disney plus day where they're going to, you know, release a bunch of new trailers and announcements and stuff for stuff that's coming up. I don't think it'll be quite as big as last year when they announced like the 10 new shows that were coming. Um, but if, if there's any new star Wars stuff that's announced that we don't know about yet, I would not be surprised if, um, some more vision stuff is involved in that. And, uh, yeah, I think like obviously it's kind of maybe biased just because all three of us are on the same page but i've seen this sentiment from a lot of people too that i think uh the ninth jedi is like the top of everybody's wish list of continuing vision stories that we can get. i i totally forgot about disney plus day just because i forget about all those things i have a kid and life is insane but i i, I agree with you kyle they're not we're not gonna get what we did last year last year was so much fun i, mean, I remember leaving work just being like yeah. in days um, <laughs> yeah but but I, I can almost, I, I didn't for, I forgot about it. I'm gonna say right here, right now. I think they say something about the ninth Jedi. They announce something there. I, it just makes sense, like in a very non like, 
not like it's a big announcement, but like a very much like, and from Star Wars Visions, the critically acclaimed Ninth Jedi will get a full blah, 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 and that'll be it. Like, you know, sometime released in 2028. <laughs> I mean, I, I said, <laughs> jokingly about what you were saying earlier, but something like that, like very Catholic Canadian, you know, it's going to happen in 2024. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a very like kind of quick little thing and just talk, you know, for, for the fans, because they know that, you know, it probably did really well. And then whatever, just leave it kind of, you know, but just kind of showed out there like new content's coming, et cetera. So I'm going to say that right now. I'll predict it. Yeah. I'm, Do it. I wish I had your confidence because I'm not, you know, it's still fairly new. I'm like, maybe we'll get it. Maybe we won't. It kind of feels like wishful thinking to me. Um, but it's definitely, that's like top of my wish list of stuff that I want them to announce on that day. So I will be Skywalker. You're Han Solo. (laughs) Yeah. In this case. Yeah. Um, although, well, maybe I'm more C-3PO and you're Han Solo saying, don't tell me the odds. Whoa, 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 whoa. If anyone's C-3PO or it's me, it's my favorite character. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to say right now, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. I feel I feel that confident. I'm going to say it's going to happen. I hope right you are. <laughs> Dude, by the way, I love that quote from Yoda. I hope right you are. So good. So good. Serious Yoda talking backwards. Love it. Wait, how many great moments are in that one scene? You got that Mace Windu gift that you always well, use. What the hell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just want you I, yeah. Well, I don't, that, I, I'll, just, I'll just say this. That gift exists because of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, not really joking, I think either. I, I get at least at least that I helped create it in existence. I'll say that. Hmm. I don't mind giving you the credit for that since you're the one I usually just mainly see it from. <laughs> yeah, like I know. Yeah, pretty much right. I, it, yeah, it's pretty much me who only uses it, but it, it exists for for a reason. The, the official one, anyway. So I'll, I'll I'll take credit for that. Yeah. Well. Um. Man, I didn't think we were going to spend a whole hour talking about visions at the beginning of this podcast, but. Um, is that good it is that good there's a lot of good stuff to talk about and uh hopefully a lot more good stuff to come if we're lucky so um and obviously i think at this rate our next episode will probably be recapping whatever they announce at that disney plus day so um we'll see if uh we get the ninth jedi content that we're hoping for um but yeah it's cool to dive back in and you know just kind of recap visions and get to hear tim's thoughts on it and uh yeah i'm still enjoying it like i said every few days i still will go back and just rewatch one of these so it's just cool to have something new and different from star wars to hold us over until the book of boba fett comes out on december 29th how's that for a segue into our next bit of news um (laughs) this dropped uh right after we recorded our last episode that they just released this awesome looking poster of boba sitting on the throne in jabba's palace that we saw at the uh the end of mandalorian season two and we do finally have a, a um release date for it which is december 29th just barely scraping by when they said releasing december know, 2021 right? <laughs> they're like yeah with two days to spare um you know i was kind of hoping it would be earlier in december but uh no this is going to be right before the end of the year but then again that's only a couple months away so it'll be here before you know it um also the fact that we still don't have a trailer yet and we're almost done with october i think we're just going to get our first trailer for this show on disney plus day 
Yeah, um, to get I know. <laughs> yeah, when that was first announced, I think we were kind of speculating like, oh, it's only a month before Book of Boba airs. And so like, is that when we're going to get the first trailer or will we have already seen something by then? But the way things are going at this point, I think that's just when we're going to get our first look at it. Um, but that's fine. I mean, it's funny because this isn't one of those things where you know, you're, you're chomping at the bit, like, oh, I, I gotta see something from the show. I need to know what it's going to be about. It's like, we already saw Boba in season two of the Mandalorian and we know it's him and Fennec coming back and taking over Tatooine and whatever. Um, and we all know kind of what we're, we're going to get from Boba Fett. So, um, I'm sure there's still going to be a lot of cool surprises in the show, but it's not like, um, I don't know, at least I don't feel like, oh, I need to see a trailer just so I, I know, what to expect or what the show is going to look like or anything like, I feel like we've kind of already got a good idea from what we've seen in the Mandalorian, but it's just going to be cool to see more of Boba on screen. And especially with, um, you know, Dave and John and those guys, and then Robert Rodriguez being involved in the show as well after, um, just how much, but Boba was kicking in that episode that he directed in season two of the Mandalorian. So, that's going to be a lot of fun. Comes out December 29th. We also got a little synopsis along with this, and it says, uh, The Book of Boba Fett, a thrilling Star Wars adventure, finds legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett and mercenary Fennec Shand navigating the galaxy's underworld when they return to the sands of Tatooine to stake their claim on the territory once ruled by Jabba the Hutt and his crime syndicate. Um, and again, that's basically just going off the premise that we saw in that teaser at the end of Mando Season 2. Um, but it's just going to be a lot of fun with bounty hunters and, you know, mercenaries and the whole show is going to be one big wretched hive of scum and villainy. And it's just going to be a blast to watch. And I hope we get Cad Bane and I hope we get Hondo and, uh, yeah, I just, you know, can't wait to see this, uh, when it comes out in December. Yeah. I'm chomping at the bit to see the trailer just cause it's more Boba Fett <laughs> just knowing, how they just killed it bringing him back in the Mandalorian season two and just knowing that we're getting more of that in just a few months. Oh uh, yeah. I can't wait to see more footage from it. So I'm counting the days to Disney plus day. And then after that, we'll be counting the days to December 29th, which gotta be honest, a little disappointed that that was the date. Cause like you got, was hoping that it would be kind of mid December, get a few episodes during like the holiday season for on the holiday break. Um, but it's only going to be on, a few days before New Year, so <laughs> uh, it looks it is going to be on Wednesday. So just like how the Marvel series are premiering on Wednesday, that's going to continue for Star Wars. Which yeah, Why? I still wish it was Fridays. I know. Why? <laughs> Why is this? Who who decided this? Like, I don't know, but apparently, I mean, you know, they've got all their viewership metrics, and apparently, the Marvel shows were doing better on Wednesdays than the Star Wars stuff was doing on Fridays. So, really, they came out with some numbers on that. I, I mean, they didn't come out with the actual numbers, but I, I think, at least from what I've heard, because was now I can't remember was Loki the first one that came out on yeah. Wednesday? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and I think just based on the numbers that Loki was doing, um. Like that was why they decided that everything going forward is coming out on Wednesdays because it was doing better numbers than the Friday stuff. So I don't know, whatever metrics they were seeing on there and made them think that that was the way to go. I, that just disappoints me because I love having the end of the week to me like too. go into, oh, so yeah. much fun. And now it's I like- think I would assume it probably has something to do with the fact that like people probably don't have as much going on on Wednesday nights, right? Like 
you know, a right. new episode of The Mandalorian comes out on Friday and you might have plans Friday night or you might be going somewhere for the weekend. And so I'm sure a lot of people were still watching the episodes, but maybe not everybody was watching them right away on Friday night. Maybe some people were waiting till Saturday or Sunday or the week after. Whereas when something comes out on a Wednesday, it's like, it's Wednesday night. What are we going to do? Sit home and watch TV. And everybody was watching it right when it dropped. I would assume maybe that's the case. Um, One of two, because I know Netflix always drops their stuff on Fridays still mm, believe it. i just wonder if they want to have wednesday just be their day where they have to worry about any other type of streaming competitions for a couple of days anyway but I'm netflix sure isn't it. netflix still mostly doing just the you know dropping everything all at once anyways yeah. yeah yeah but maybe they figured people would want to spend the whole weekend binging a series and then get to one episode of whatever disney plus show they want to watch if they could but yeah, oh, I'm sure there's tons of different reasoning for that, but I'm sure that played a part where they I kind didn't of know. out their own day. Man, yeah. I didn't know that they're going to show um, the they're going to go to Wednesday for everything. That was that what they said? That Wednesday for Marvel and Star Wars. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm well, just I mean, assuming the, now because Book of Boba Fett is, I mean, I don't see why they would change that afterwards. I hope they do, but at least for the foreseeable <sighs> future, it's going to be. Yeah, no, I remember re- I I remember reading that back around the time that Loki came out. I don't remember. I don't think it was after the first episode, but it was sometime during that series when, you know, obviously they had collected enough viewership data. And I do remember reading an article or an announcement or something where they said that all the major uh, Disney Plus series going forward were going to be released on Wednesdays instead of uh, Fridays because Visions came out on a Wednesday, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like with uh, What If, all those episodes were coming out Wednesdays. So yeah, I think they just decided that's going to be their thing. I was so, kind of hoping like Wednesday would be the Marvel day and then Friday would be yeah. the Star Wars day. So we'd have yeah. a week where we get both. Because <laughs> especially, awesome. you know, going into next year, like with all the series that they've got going on, there's going to be some overlap. Um, yeah. I think at some point they might have to go to Fridays for a few series. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But um i mean i'm like you i i really enjoyed like coming home at the well either coming home at the end of a work week on a friday or waking up friday morning either way you know the week's just about over you're looking forward to the weekend and just part of that excitement is getting to watch a new episode of the mandalorian or clone wars or bad batch or whatever show it was at the time um but uh yeah i mean i guess we can't be too mad at disney like blame all the people that watched loki on wednesdays and made the viewership numbers go up and they were like hey we're just gonna keep doing this so (laughs) we have no one to blame but ourselves i guess (laughs) (laughs) yep um but yeah so we've got that to look forward to in december and then now um yeah i know we're over an hour into the episode before we get to the big news that made me text you guys and go okay hey we finally got to get back on recording another episode (laughs) because this was completely unexpected, uh, this news that came out just a couple days ago and uh, certainly made my day. I know it did for you guys too. Oh yeah. Um, This is a report from the Hollywood Reporter. So again, nothing confirmed by Lucasfilm. This is not official, but also like when something gets announced in the Hollywood Reporter, you know it's gonna be legit unless they end up like changing their minds during production or something. But this is not us. And then when the main actor of the series tweets it or sends an Instagram post about it too. (laughs) Yes, there's that too. There's that too. Yeah, I forgot. Rosario Dawson also confirmed this and then deleted it because I'm sure Kathleen Kennedy was not too pleased about it. Oh, she deleted it. I didn't know about that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. That post is gone now. Um, But yes, the cat is out of the bag. Hayden Christensen is returning uh, to play Anakin in live action, not only in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, but also in the Ahsoka series. Um, And it's funny because after the initial hype 
of this. I was trying to uh, sort of remember, I'm like, wait, had we talked about this before and kind of speculated, like now that we know Hayden is coming back in the Obi-Wan series, could we also see him in the Ahsoka series? And like, you know, would, would they just sort of cross over and, um, you know, have him be in that story as well. But um I don't know. It was if we had talked about it before, it was definitely something I hadn't thought about in a while. And to get this news just out of the blue in the middle of a work day, um, I think it was on a work day. I don't even remember what day this dropped. It's yeah, it was Monday. Friday. Oh, it was Friday. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I was at work, and I didn't get much work done for the rest of that day because I was just. <laughs> I, know, I was about- just thankful it came at the end of the day where I only had an hour left because that was all I was thinking about that last hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, of course, people are speculating like, oh, you know, obviously uh, Vader's dead by this point. But like, are we going to see him in flashbacks? Are we going to see him as a force ghost? Are we going to see him as Jedi Anakin? Are we going to see him as Vader? Um, or is it going to be all of the above? Like, you know, who knows? But, um, man, it's just, again, like I said, it it makes sense. Like, I don't know why we'd be, you know, so surprised. Again, the fact that he's coming back for the Obi-Wan series where there's already kind of been, you know, speculation and rumors that like, we know he's playing Vader in that series, but like, while you've got him, you might as well also do some flashbacks to like Clone Wars and let us see him as Jedi Anakin again and stuff. And it's like, if we're going to get that in the Obi-Wan series, why not do that in the Ahsoka series too? Like it makes sense, but still to get more or less official confirmation, um, yeah, again, like, you know, hasn't been reported by Lucasfilm, but, you know, and I think the Hollywood Reporter also broke the news like last year that, you know, Tamura Morrison was going to be in yep. Mandalorian season two and that Rosario Dawson was playing Ahsoka in, in Mando season two and stuff like that. And obviously all of that came to fruition. But then, yes, Rosario Dawson then went on uh, Instagram and she said, I don't know if she like made this a post or if she commented on something or whatever, but she said, uh, she's like, Sky Guy, they know, see you soon, like, love snips. Um, so that was super cute. I love that she's like, you know, she gets the the fan connection to the Clone Wars and all that love for Ahsoka and everything. But um, yeah, even if it's for just a brief appearance, and I mean, you would think that like with Hollywood Reporter announcing this, that it's going to be kind of a big deal, that it's not going to be just a brief little cameo because that would probably be easier to keep under wraps. Like, you know, Luke at the end of the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Um, Thankfully they didn't get their hands on that. But if this is like, I don't know where they get their sources from, but it's probably, you know, Hayden's agent talking to somebody or something like that. And like, I don't know if stuff like that's going on. I would think that maybe he's going to have a more substantial role in the series or at least be part of the main credits or something like that. And that this is not going to be just like, a quick Easter egg type appearance in one episode. But I also kind of hope that like, I don't want him to be a main character in the show. Um, I don't necessarily want like force ghost Anakin, just like hanging out with Ahsoka the entire time. But I think again, like I said, the possibility of both seeing him talk to her as a force ghost and also seeing some flashbacks to like the clone wars era, or even seeing a flashback of him as Vader and them fighting on Malachor. Like, how freaking cool would that be? Like, just there's so many cool possibilities they could do with this, but just, yeah, more live action Anakin. I'm here for it. I This is where I, I don't think we're going to get Force Ghost Anakin, which I didn't even consider, but now I guess we could. Well, no, I, I, I take it back. I, I didn't, I, for some reason, 
I, I almost think it's going to be not Force Ghost, but kind of the same thing. I think there's going to be a lot of resolution with her and her kind of, I think, guilt and um, and a little bit of guilt because guilt's kind of a, a hard, a, a heavy thing to say. It, it's just her kind of coming to terms with her master becoming, you know, who he was. And I think through Anakin, you know, getting some kind of uh, more direction. I feel like right now in the story, and again, we don't know where Ahsoka the Grey is in in that part where you see um, her show up with, with Sabine. We don't, we still are, are kind of like, we don't know exactly when that takes place, mm-hmm. at least as far as I can tell. So I, I almost think that this is there. Anakin's going to be used as a tool and a device to bring that maturity to, to Ahsoka because we see right now we just mm-hmm. see Ahsoka as a weapon in uh, the Mandalorian, which is amazing, by the way. But I think it's very, uh, very, very. Uh, what's the word? Very interesting how she's portrayed in that episode by Dave Filoni and the fact that he wrote her to be very much like a samurai, a kind of like, you know, a wandering, you know, aimless kind of Jedi. And there's not really a per- I mean, she has a purpose. She's looking for Grand Animal Thrawn and Ezra and all this stuff. But right now she's it, feel, it feels very much more like she's a blunt weapon just trying to get to, you know, again, kind of your, your traditional like, you know, samurai character. Whereas I think. Where we, where we see again, we're assuming what we see her at the end of Rebels. She's a lot more. Like, there's no lightsaber. There's a staff. There's that. There's a cloak. There's just there is a maturity level. At least for, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I'm projecting, but no, no I, I think, think that's actually a really valid point. That yeah. like it, it's so, yeah. So that I, may, you know, maybe she'll just talk. To, maybe Anakin's Force Ghost will appear to her in the first episode, and they'll have a conversation, and that you know some sort of. There'll be some sort of resolution and some closure there that helps her move to a a more sort of peaceful and serene place. Because I hadn't even necessarily thought of that. Like, you know, the difference between Ahsoka and Rebels and Ahsoka in The Mandalorian, I kind of just chalked up to, you know, the character's not going to be exactly the same in live action as she is in animation. And these are two different time periods. And so, of course, there's going to be some differences in, you know, the costume and the appearance and whatever. But... Um, yeah, if we do see, you know, I, I'm sure that like the series is probably going to take place after where we see her in the Mandalorian, but we also might yeah, get some backstory of like where she's been up to this point and sort of what led her to that planet and just, you know, the, the kind of the journey that she's on. And so maybe she is in a bit of a darker place, maybe in this, this post empire era, you know, and she, maybe she thinks that she's the last of the Jedi and, you know, is just kind of aimless and maybe is in a bit of a dark place and Anakin kind of helps her find more direction and, um, you know, kind of gets her back on the right path. And then that leads to the Ahsoka, the white that we see at the end of the rebels. I hadn't thought about that, but I think that's a great idea. Well, but the reason why I think that is I think that it all tie cause we don't see it. Cause right now she's just kind of like aimlessly looking for Ezra and Thrawn and, but I think there's there we see Ahsoka at the end of of Rebels before she's Ahsoka Ahsoka the Grave. I meant Ahsoka the White. I forgot if she was gray or white. Whatever. Um, what what's interesting about that is we don't see that transformation of her as a character, you know, really. And and we see a Malachor. She's just kind of like whatever. We just we don't know how she got out and you know all that stuff. Like we don't really know. 
And obviously, I think there's going to be a lot of, to be honest, when the Ahsoka show comes out, there's going to be a plethora of material out there. I think that Filoni's really going to let a lot out there as far as us to realize what's going on. And she doesn't leave. Where we last see her before the Mandalorian, again, take out the Ahsoka White stuff, we don't see, like, it's not like she leaves Malachor, like, super, like, as, like, you know, a complete character. So there's a lot to, like, mm. you know, what what's going on with her emotionally? She just battled her, you know, her old master, one of her best friends, a mentor, you know, and it damaged her. And I think that with us, now that Anakin's been free, I do kind of feel like it's going to be kind of like this. You know how in Rebels we saw these these flashbacks to, to Anakin? They weren't necessarily Force Ghosts. But it was, you know, Anakin talking to her, like, why did you, you know, why did you let me go? You know, why, you know, why did you leave? There's that guilt there. And it, that's what I was trying to say. It was those, that, that part in Rebels, they really go and latch on to, and Ahsoka's struggling with it. I think it's going to play another part in there. And, she, and he's going to, I think we all say, like, why didn't Ahsoka help fight the Rebels? But, you know, all that crap, you know? Well, now we might get even more of that, where maybe it's Anakin she'll have this guilt and it's personified in Anakin. He's going to say, you, you let the rebels down. You didn't help uh, my own son help defeat me. You know, you could have, you could have saved me, you know, whatever. And she does all this guilt. And maybe at the very end, she actually does talk to Anakin. And there is that, I don't think it's the first episode. I think it's the last, towards the last episode of, of whatever they're doing. And it helps her become that complete character that we want her to become. And eventually get to, I think this place of this big connected universe that they're going to, it's what it seems like through um, Ezra and uh, Grand Animal Thrawn and everything. So that's where I, my guess is. I think it's going to be a, it's not going to be a big role, but it's going to be a substantial role where he'll be in probably two, three-ish episodes, but it'll be really big moments of developing this character and pushing her to that Soak of the White persona that we see at the end of Rebels. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on with that. And I would love to see that as far as Anakin kind of being the one to get where he gets Ahsoka to become... Ahsoka the White that we saw her in Rebels, or at least he was a big reason for that. And I just think too, at least what kind of what I'm hoping for, and always what I always wanted to get once we knew uh, or saw the end of Rebels, is that I just really want Ahsoka and to see Ahsoka find out that Anakin was brought back to the light side and was redeemed by his son. And part of me wondered, oh, is it just going to be something that's going to be told to her? through Luke is she going to meet Luke and he's going to tell him and now my brain starts going crazy with different possibilities where that does happen we know obviously Mark Hamill came back for the Mandalorian season two finale he could come back and do a scene with Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka maybe he does tell the story of how Vader was redeemed and during that Anakin appears to to both of them I mean I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it what if we get a scene where it's the three characters together Luke Anakin and Ahsoka together but that's not only the first or the only time maybe that's ahsoka finding out anakin was brought back to the light side he appears to her but then he's there to help her and guide her on her quest as she goes to search for thrawn or and finds ezra and i'm sure that's not going to be just a simple plot like that that's going to be the main probably catalyst of the series but so much more i think is going to be delved into in the series as far as stuff with ahsoka and the force and i go back to that poster that has those markings from the world between worlds highlighted in there under the name of soka and it's, that's going to play a factor into that too and it is so much cool potential that's going to happen but more importantly it's just seeing ahsoka kind of get that closure of knowing that 
the last memory she has of Anakin was as Darth Vader saying, you will die. Like, that just would be such an awful way for Ahsoka to kind of live her life, knowing, thinking that um, that was the last time she would ever hear Anakin's voice was like that. But I always felt that this had to be something where she finds out he'd come to the light side and now that we're actually probably going to see that. At least this is what I'm hoping for because I know we're talking about flashbacks possibility. That would be awesome. But if we can only get one or the other, I'm really hoping it's force ghost Anakin just so we can continue the story of Anakin and Ahsoka moving forward and kind of having a full conclusion to it as far as her knowing that he was redeemed and became one with the force as Anakin Skywalker and the light side, not as Darth Vader and just provide some more counsel of wisdom to her on her journey that we're going to see her go through in the series, thus leading to her becoming Ahsoka the White. So I, all that just sounds really, really great to me. It's just something I just can't wait to see them dive into. And just getting to see Anakin and Ahsoka in a live action. I mean, who would have thought that would ever happen? <laughs> for it's real, man. mind-blowing enough. I mean, that know was... for sure that's going to happen now. I think that was the thing that was just most exciting to me was... Before I started going down the rabbit hole of speculation of like, what's the story going to be and how is he going to play into it? And is he going to be a force ghost or is it going to be flashbacks or whatever? Like before my brain even started processing all of that, just the idea of seeing Anakin and Ahsoka together in live action just had a huge smile on my face. And I think I even came home from work that day and I watched... um Gosh, I can't even remember which Clone Wars episode I put on, but it was one that, uh, oh, I watched Landing at Point Rain from from season two. And that's just one that's got, you know, some fun, you know, you see Anakin and Ahsoka together leading their clones in this big battle on Geonosis. And they've got, you know, just some fun banter between the two of them as they're counting their kills, like, you know, Legolas and Gimli and Lord of the Rings. Um, and so it isn't even, you know, it wasn't even like a, a big heartfelt emotional uh ahsoka episode you know i could have watched like twilight of the apprentice or i could have watched the wrong jedi or or um the old friends not forgotten from the siege of mandalore or something but i just wanted to watch something that was like just the good old days of sky guy and snips you know cutting down droids and stuff and it was just um you know it was fun just reliving that and then thinking about you know where the journey of those characters started off and you know everything we've seen them go through and now that we're going to get to see more of the two of those characters together in live action was something that I never thought we would get to see. And now that it's all but confirmed is just super exciting and has probably shot the Ahsoka series up to the top of my list of Star Wars series that I'm most excited about, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I mean, Obi-Wan I, is right there too, because also we're going to get to see Hayden together with Ewan again. And that's awesome. But we've seen the two of them together in live action before. Like, we could not get an Obi-Wan series... And we could not see Anakin and Obi-Wan together again. And I would still be happy with everything that we got in Revenge of the Sith. But, you know, as and as much as I love Clone Wars and Rebels and, and the Star Wars animated stuff is fine on its own. And it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be validated by having these mm -hmm. characters appear in live yeah, action. Right. Like, it's it's not it's like a great added bonus. <laughs> exactly. It's icing on the cake. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's um, just sweet delicious thick layer of icing on that cake to get to see anakin and ahsoka together in live action is just going to be so incredible you know i i think this is what's really exciting is right now we're just about 
and I'm, I want to make this very clear, people, and you guys already probably know this, but bear with me. We are literally in the final days, and I say final days, of just nonstop Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not kidding you. Like, we are in the final days of it. And well, you mean the final it, days before we get into nonstop Star Wars? Yeah, that's that, that's what I'm saying. The final, we're in the final days. Like you're basically, we got a little, we got a great, you know, palate cleanser. And I say that not, no disrespect to Bad Batch, but it's it again, we got a great little little appetizer palate cleanser with Bad Batch. We got a great little palate cleanser, you know, little mini appetizer with the uh, again Star Wars Visions. And we're after basically once December, the end of this year happens, it's going to be nonstop all the way. And I, to, to be honest, we have the Andor series. We've got Boba Fett, Andor, Mandalorian. Um, you got the, you know, the animated feature of R2 and 3PO still coming out. You have all the things we're probably not even going to know are going to come out. We have Bad Batch season two next year. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be nonstop. All oh yeah, no. Next, next year, next year is going to be wall to wall Star, Star Wars. Wars, and but I feel like I mean I feel yeah. like I talk about this on every podcast that I do, but like, yeah, especially the fact that Book of Boba Fett is starting right at the end of this year. Yeah. Like, let's say that goes I don't know eight or ten episodes or whatever it's going to be. That's going to take us into the, that'll basically be the first couple months of 2022. Um, and then I assume we'll probably have Andor soon after that. So that'll probably be in the spring. And then I'm guessing we're going to get the Obi-Wan series probably around May, June. And May then the fourth, Bad- I put, put my bets on Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. Even well, if it's not a Wednesday. <laughs> it all depends on when when Andor starts and how long that is. Because I, I don't remember. Didn't they say that Andor was going to be longer, like 10 yeah. or 12 episodes? I heard of it was going to be 12, yeah. I think it, yeah, I think That's it was crazy. 12. Um, so that's a good three months right there. Um, so if that does start right after Book of Boba Fett, then that probably would carry over into May, which is the only reason that I'm thinking that, you know, maybe the Andor finale would be May the 4th or something like that. Or maybe they'll double dip. Um, you know, they could decide to just start Obi-Wan while while Andor is still going. And maybe they will overlap and have one on a Wednesday and one on a Friday or something like that. Um, but yeah, we're... I think those are going to be the next two. And then we're going to have Bad Batch season two. Uh, we'll probably have the Mandalorian season three coming out like December of next year. Because yeah. that's yeah. filming right now. Um, but then we're also going to have probably at least one more big Star Wars video game coming out next year too. And if we do get more Star Wars Visions, I mean, I don't know how long it takes to make these animated shorts. But could we get a season two of Visions next fall or something like that? Maybe. I don't know. Like there's all I'm saying is the first half of next year is going to be packed and who knows what we could get in the second half aside from um, the uh, season three of the Mandalorian. That's pretty I, much all we know for sure. That's going to be I'm telling you right now, next it's, fall. this 2023, 2022 is going to be the year of star Wars and no one's really, I mean, they're going to start talking about it once they start realizing it. But I'm telling you right now, next year is going to be the year star Wars could be, not rivaling TFA of hype, but like I would say getting that ballpark with Mandalorian season three, probably premiering towards the end and all the things that are leading up to it. Star Wars is going to hit a popularity level. Like unlike, I think 
I'm going to say right here, I'm going to predict it. It's going to be unlike anything we've seen maybe close to the TFA and maybe prequels because of how popular that ending of The Mandalorian was and all of these different shows like the, the, the um, Obi-Wan and Anakin and, and everything we're going to get before it. I mean, it's going to be insane. And I don't yeah. think – and I, I just I just feel people aren't prepared for it. And I, I'm going to say right now, it's because you're forgetting about the comic books, the High Republic stuff. I mean, granted, I'm not saying the High Republic is in, this, in the stratosphere of the stuff, but it's, you know, still. It's, it's just it's, adding to the pile of Star exactly. Wars stuff that we've got going on. Um, yeah, and so I'll I, tell I, you I, what, because you talk about the, the popularity reaching new heights. It's like on the one hand, I feel like nothing is still going to top the hype of TFA of just a sure. whole year of anticipation of, you know, celebration and trailers and, and leaked footage and articles and everybody sure. laser focused on this new release of a new Star Wars movie for the first time in 10 years. But I think the excitement for the content once we get it, you know, the and the, the fan reception and the hype about the kind of stuff we're going to get to see, I think has the potential to be uh, maybe the highest we've seen so far in the Disney era. Because look at, you know, and, and look, I mean, not to, to dog on the sequel trilogy or anything, but I really feel like, you know, they did what they wanted to do with those movies and maybe realized that they didn't hit every fan expectation. And like, not that you can ever please everybody and, and do everything that the fans want you to do, nor should you. But getting things like seeing Boba Fett again, um, seeing Hayden Christensen come back to presumably play Anakin as a force ghost, which was like top of everybody's wish list for um, the rise of Skywalker to see Ben Solo interact with his grandfather and see that legacy between Darth Vader and Kylo Ren. And I'm not just trying to dog on Tross because you guys know how I feel about that movie, but that was a huge missed opportunity that Dave Filoni and company are now capitalizing on and everybody's excited for it. So you know, between that and the stuff that we're going to get to see with Obi-Wan and, you know, just it's going to be, um, gosh, just, you know, a, a whole year of like fan service done right. You know, just the kind of stuff like Luke in The Mandalorian and like Vader in Rogue One and that kind of stuff that is like just the stuff that the fans live for. That they put that in there knowing like, do we need this in the story? Not necessarily, but we can still make a good story out of it. So it doesn't just feel like we're spoon feeding, you know, nostalgia and, and Easter eggs and whatever, but we can like work it in so that it actually makes the story better, but it's also stuff that the fans connect with and really want to see. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe it's just taken them this long to figure out how to kind of hit their stride with that. Maybe it's, it's Dave Filoni's influence or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I'm just, I'm really excited for the stuff that they've got coming up for next year. So, um, yeah. And again, this Anakin announcement is just the latest thing that I just, I can't wait to see where they go with this. I, Let's I not think forget that... the other big thing in 2022, the 20th anniversary celebration of Attack of the Clones. I mean, you know, I'm going to be celebrating like that, like no others. <laughs> There's got to be others that's going to join me, right? Yeah. I mean, I hadn't even thought about <laughs> that, but... Sure. On, don't yeah. leave me hanging like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, I, I, I think that the one thing that, that I've learned about Star Wars in the last, I'd say, five years is that the, the fan bases are, you know, we can get all upset at each other. But Star Wars still has power, and the man, and even though I, I still like the sequel trilogy, and I love me some The Rise of Skywalker, 
I I do definitely feel the TV shows have 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 given the the mainstream and the and the hardcore fans a, a real unity. Um, and I'm and I'm just saying like the Mandalorian, but I'm saying like the 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 animation that we've gotten from like the Bad Batch and Star Wars Visions, and like the, it feels like we're headed towards. And I've said this before. I think the future is of Star Wars is mainly going to be in television or like these mini series that we're going to be getting. And it's really exciting. I think we're seeing the fruits of it. I think we're 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 hitting a new golden age of Star Wars that we have like we don't really know what what it's going to be yet until I think this year. And that's why I say this year is going to be special, as I think we're really it's going to be the start. Not, not I don't think we we've started it. I think the, I think the Mandalorian is that road to it, mm-hmm. and it's like getting the road ready for it's like you know Yellow Brick Road, and we're going to hit the Emerald City this year. I, I really do. I feel like that's where it's going to happen. Like we're really going to be like, Oh my God, Star this is Wars shows of different colors. <laughs> yeah, no. Right. And I, I, I do think that's what's going to happen. And I think people are going to realize the value of these different TV shows and how Star Wars can, can branch out and be different, but also still have those things in the movie theaters, like the rogue squadron film that's coming out. And, and eventually I think a new Skywalker saga at some point, you know, I think, I think, I still think that's a viable, um, you know, fr- franchise within a franchise. And I, I definitely want to see it continue in some way. And I, I'm sure out there, there's a creative force out there who is going to be, you know, not named yet because they don't know that, you know, they're even in the, in the, gonna ha- it's going to happen to them, but there's someone out there who's going to be in charge of bringing about the Skywalker saga. And I think it's, I would not be shocked if it ended up being huge at some point because, Someone might have an amazing idea and then bring it there and bring Ray Skywalker and all those ideas all of a sudden into like the, a new stratosphere. So there's I just think that these TV shows are going to mend a lot of a lot of hurt feelings for people. It, it already has, I feel. But I think more so than ever, we're about to hit a new era of Star Wars that were it's like I said, the Mandalorian's Yellow Brick Road and we're about to hit the Emerald City next year. And I think that's what we're going to be doing. We're hitting the Emerald City and we're going to be there for a while. That's my prediction. I'm sticking to it. Yep, I sure hope so. Um, but yeah, like I said, with just with everything they have on the horizon coming up, like in the stuff that we're getting next year, it certainly seems like we're going to be, um, you know, hitting a, a great point um, just in terms of, you know, hype levels and, and quality of content that we're going to be getting. I just hope I hope it can all deliver. Um, and you know, with all the series and things that they have in development, like not everything's going to be perfect. Not everything's going to be a home run. Um, but gosh, just like everything they keep announcing. And again, all the stuff they, that they've got on the slate for next year. And then these announcements like, you know, Hayden coming back and getting to see Anakin and Ahsoka again is just the, the hits keep coming. So, um, yeah, and especially with this one with the Ahsoka series, I think it's going to be a while before we see that. I think it even mentioned in this article that that show is expected to go into production next year, so it'll probably be 2023 when that one comes out. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, which totally makes sense. Like, I, who knows? Maybe that'll be the next thing that they film after Mandalorian season three. Um, so you know, if we're lucky, hopefully it'll be early next year that they start filming that. So you know, maybe it'll be like the first half of 2023 when we get to see it. But who knows? Um, I'm just kind of patiently waiting for that one at this point because we're going to have so much to enjoy between now and then anyways. But um, yeah, I I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Um, and again, you know, I'm, I'm like as much as it would be cool to see Clone Wars flashbacks just because, you know, I'm going to eat up all that Clone Wars content and getting to see stuff that looks like it could be right out of the Clone Wars animated series, but see that in live action. Um, that would just be a lot of fun. And that would be really, you know, just like, 
fan servicey that you know i i wouldn't complain about whatsoever um but seeing him as a force ghost and getting to see sort of that relationship between those two characters in a new sort of a new era and a, a new phase of that relationship um and just kind of pushing the story forward but also getting to see uh you know hayden as force ghost anakin that we all wanted to see in the sequels and finally getting to see that now i think would be a, a big moment so um can't wait for this whenever we do finally get to see it but that was something that definitely made my day last week and uh just one more thing to get me excited about the future of star wars um but speaking of Anakin and exciting things in the future of Star Wars, um, we also had an announcement from a couple weeks ago of a couple new books that are coming out next year. Um, it was actually four books that were announced, um, you know, in this announcement from StarWars.com. But a couple of these are, you know, like young reader books. Um, but the two main ones that I want to focus on are these two novels uh, coming out called Star Wars Shadow of the Sith um, and Star Wars Brotherhood. And um, I think these are going to be two really great stories. These are two that, I mean, you guys know how I am with, with Star Wars books. Like, I'm kind of picky about the ones that really pique my interest. Some I take a while to get around to reading. Some I start and don't finish. Some I don't read at all. But um, I'm planning on picking both of these up the day they come <laughs> out and really getting into them. Because these seem like the, the type of stories that I really get into where they take established characters from the movies and stuff um, and flesh out really like essential elements of the story. And it's not just like, oh, let's make up another story with this character in the original trilogy time period or whatever. Um, but the first one, Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher, uh, tells a story with Luke and Lando set in between episode six and seven. And you know, I'm all about that post Return of the Jedi Luke content. I've been starving for that. Um, but this book, I'll just read the synopsis here. Uh, it says Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian return in this essential novel set between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Uh, the Empire is dead. Nearly two decades on from the Battle of Endor, the tattered remnants of Palpatine's forces have fled to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. But for the heroes of the New Republic, danger and loss are ever-present companions, even in this newly forged era of peace. Jedi Master Luke Skywalker is haunted by visions of the dark side, foretelling an ominous secret growing somewhere in the depths of space on a dead world called Exegol. The disturbance in the Force is undeniable, and Luke's worst fears are confirmed when his old friend Lando Calrissian comes to him with reports of a new Sith menace. After his daughter was stolen from his arms, Lando searched the stars for any trace of his lost child. But every new rumor only led to dead ends and fading hopes until he crossed paths with Ochi of Bastoon, a Sith assassin tasked, tasked with kidnapping a young girl. Ochi's true motives remain shrouded to Luke and Lando. For on a junkyard moon, a mysterious envoy of the Sith Eternal has bequeathed a sacred blade to the assassin, promising that it will give him answers to the questions that have haunted him since the Empire fell. In exchange, he must complete a final mission, return to Exegol with the key to the Sith's glorious rebirth, the granddaughter of Darth Sidious himself, Rey. As Ochi hunts Rey and her parents to the edge of the galaxy, Luke and Lando race into the mystery of the Sith's lingering shadow and aid a young family running for their lives. So that's the synopsis for Shadow of the Sith. Um, and I've heard varying things from people. I know some people are like, oh, this is too little, too late. They're trying to retcon stuff and make Rise of Skywalker make sense and, you know, give more context on Ochi and the dagger and blah, blah, blah. I, for one, as somebody who has massive issues with the Rise of Skywalker, as you guys well know, 
I'm really looking forward to reading this book and then watching the movie afterwards and seeing if it changes anything for me because so many of the things in that movie that seem thrown in completely out of left field, like having a story set before the events of the sequel trilogy that starts setting up some of that stuff where like people in the galaxy already know about Exegol and the Sith and, you know, Ray and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think has a chance to add some really interesting context to the story. And I'm not expecting this to like make me love the rise of Skywalker, but I'll take anything that I can get that can plug some of those plot holes, fill in some of those gaps and make this feel like a more coherent story and not something that they just thought up on the spot because they were out of ideas and, you know, whatever. Um, and also, like I said, just anything involving Luke post Return of the Jedi and and searching for, you know, Sith homeworlds and Sith artifacts and all that kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited for this. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it can uh, fill in some of those those important story questions, but uh, I don't know. Are you guys looking forward to this as much as I am? Yeah. First of all, I take, I, I take, uh, um, I take a uh, kind, not kindly to the words of they just, you know, right. Skywalker is just made up on the spot. I, that is, I uh, don't like those words because I don't think that, that was the case at all. Um, I, I know you're, you're just kind of just, you know, throwing things out there for it. And I, I understand that, but like, okay. Rise of Skywalker, but in, in my defense, Daisy Ridley said that, like, while they were filming, they still weren't sure if she was going to be a Palpatine or not. So that, but that's, but that's not what we're, we're, refer, we're referring to other things because we're talking about the overall story, not just that one aspect. And so well, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the entire story. I'm talking about just a lot of aspects of it like that. But that's like, in that one, I could see them him and Han about, but a lot of other stuff I feel like wasn't, I mean, some stuff, yes. I say most stuff wasn't, it was all pre, most of it was not pre-planned, but as far as like they made it, they wrote the story, they filmed it, but like things like that, they were still kind of like toying with like, what are we going to do with this? And that I, that I more understand because that, that has a lot more ramifications. The overall story that this, this book is, is coming from are all things that I think they were well thought out. And even though I don't love the execution of the dagger, I could have done a lot better, I like the idea of it. And that's always, and that's the one thing I'll always say about the, the Rise of Skywalker is that even though the execution isn't always, I think, even for me, who I love the movie to death, um, I, it does not have always the best execution, but I also feel that's a, by, a byproduct of, of how much time they didn't have, right? But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff in there I feel like they did a good job fleshing out as much with as much time as they did and giving us good stuff and really, really cool things like Exegol. And I think um, there's a lot of stuff I wish they could have had more opportunity. Now, I, I with you, though, Kyle, one thing I will agree with you is I, I it definitely it just makes me more interested or not more interested. I'm very interested to see what this does for people. I mean, there's people out there who are going to hate it regardless. I know you're going to not necessarily love the Rise of Skywalker ever. Maybe one day that, that will change. But I definitely respect the fact that you're open to like, you know, maybe this will make me make me make me understand it a lot better. I mean, I, I will fully admit one of the, the biggest thing I have against The Last Jedi is, you know, Luke and Ben and that relationship and how that was written, and explained and how that was one of the worst things maybe in Star Wars history. That being said, if they came out with a book that did for some reason really connected that idea and explained why Luke would go in and do that and and maybe you know find ben sleeping and give more context and give a real and not retcon but 
give it some kind of umph and some kind of understanding, I'd be maybe more willing to accept it at this point. I, I honestly would. And I, I do respect the fact that you're 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 excited to to do that. And you know, and that's the thing about the Rise of Skywalker that I really think is interesting is that I think JJ does himself such a disservice for being so secretive and not being so open. And that's the one thing that sucks about I think Ryan Johnson did a great job of, even though I don't love his movie that much as much as the other ones is that he was way more open and wanted to have more people expand that universe. And I feel that if JJ did was more open and we got this book a little bit before or maybe right afterwards or something like that, I think maybe more people will be willing to uh, kind of, you know, not willing, but it might ease some of that pain for some people that were like, why does it explain every single detail? You know, but I, then again, I, I digress because I, I think a lot of people were just wanted to hate on it because it wasn't Ryan Johnson's sequel, true blue sequel, but whatever. Um, you know, the one thing I think that I, I'm excited about reading this book, I didn't know the Ray stuff was that that played that much of a part in it, to be honest. It makes me kind of excited. And it kind of reminded me of one thing I think that's been like my most glaring problem is they need to explain the emperor. They need to go out and do a whole book about that. And these these stories that I think that are they need to flesh out. They need to go out there and tell the story of Ben Skywalker or Ben Skywalker, excuse me, Ben Solo and, you know, after he becomes Kylo Ren or right, you know, before he becomes Kylo Ren and all that stuff and, and really develop those things and maybe show us the emperor and what happened with the son and all that stuff, like his clone self and things like that. I know a lot of people don't like the clone emperor. I freaking love it. And I would love to get more stuff on it. I think that's the biggest disservice that the, the Rise of Skywalker has. There's lots of really cool stuff in there, but because it kind of throws it in like, and people want more backstory, that's, you know, it, people are going to hate on it because they're flushing out, didn't explain it in a PowerPoint presentation how the emperor came back and how Leia died and all that stuff. You know, and I get it. As like, opposed to a PowerPoint think, presentation on what exactly Luke was planning to do when he walked into Ben's hut. Right, because walking in and trying to murder someone in their sleep is always a good idea, and always a great. <laughs> no, it's a point. terrible anyway, idea, which is why exactly, Luke didn't know, do it. it. No, I know it's a terrible <laughs> idea to make Luke, you know, write that in a story too. <laughs> And he it didn't always, it always spend like three minutes explaining the whole thing. That's a great idea. But anyway, I digress. Uh, point, I miss this. <laughs> the whole my whole point is that I feel that the books were always meant to do flesh those things out. And I wish I don't know why they've waited this long to do it. And it stinks. I'll be honest, it stinks. I really wish they had a better they show us more story things of the development of not developing over time, but like show us the emperor and how and, and there's to me there's a there's a great story there between the that, that his father or the, the emperor's clone self son and the emperor there's a great story there there is there is a great story there i mean i mean every i just think there's there's so much richness there that they, they're 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 leaving a lot on the table and i think a great i and really fleshing out the rise of skywalker and the sequel trilogy as a whole to be honest and I feel like there's stuff there that they can really do. And again, that comes in my love of comic books. I mean, and Tim, again, will always, I think, understand a little more where I'm coming from is that the comics always did stuff like this. When things didn't make sense, what? And all of a sudden a writer would come in and bring it and tie it all together like five, eight years later. And I love that. I Jeff love John's Green Lantern, case in point. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. And there's so many writers before him that done that too. I can't think off the top of my head. Because in comic books, you had to do that. It's not like you could be like, well, I'm just going to ignore it forever. It's like you're doing your, the character a disservice. And when you're doing, you know, 12 issues a year, it's like you have to get ideas. So it's like, well, I might as well use this idea. Maybe I can do something with it. And and the writers always – it always seemed like writers could do something with these things that people thought were untouchable or, you know, whatever. 
And that's the thing with Rise of Skywalker. And I think Last Jedi, too, to be quite honest. There's a lot of stuff there they could, like, again, Luke and Ben's relationship. Give me something with the relationship that justifies Luke, you know, attempting to mass murder him in his sleep. I mean, come on. Let's, let's give me something like that. I want that story. Give me justification. Not just be like, I looked at his mind. I was like, got to go. You know, it's like, give me something. <laughs> no, but seriously, that's what it feels like. Not everyone feels that way. I do. But a lot of people do. And, you know, for a character like Luke, he deserves more time and effort and love than three minutes of screen time explaining what's going on that justifies his to total turn of his character. So for me, that's what we need for both Rise of Skywalker and Last Jedi. And it sucks because I feel like Lucasfilm is so scared of the sequel trilogy. Trilogy, I feel like you just need to, like again, like this book we're getting, just flush it out. Don't be afraid. Just do it. So anyway, my rant's over. <laughs> it was an entertaining one <laughs> no but I mean just at least for me and my excitement for the book right when I saw Rise of Skywalker and Lando's told them that him and Luke were looking for Exegol I'm like oh that's a story that has to be told when we're getting that novel or comic so I knew eventually it was going to happen and to finally know that we are going to get that story in the novel has me really excited and kind of like um, what you were saying, Paul, when this was first announced, um, I didn't really look at the full description right away. But once I did and get all the stuff that we're going to get Ray and her family is going to be a part of it. I mean, that just adds more excitement for it to me, just knowing how um, the role they're going to play. And just, again, getting more insight into what they were going through as far as trying to hide away from Palpatine and in the story Ochi. And those this part of Luke and Lando says they're going to aid a young family running for the lives. Are they actually going to cross paths with Ray as a young girl and her parents, which I don't know, might contradict kind of Luke's reaction to Ray in the last Jedi when he sees it for the first time, maybe it's because he cut himself off from the force that he doesn't uh, recognize her or sense her presence that he did. Maybe if he saw her as a young child, so we'll see how they handle that. But uh, regardless, I'm just excited at the potential of the different stories or, or the different scenarios we're going to see in the story um that we're going to get in this book shadow of the Sith. so there's a lot to be excited about just getting a new an adventure with luke and lando post return of the jedi um more stuff on exegol ochi and his uh connection to at least not just palpatine but uh the sith in general because i'm not sure how far you are caught up on the darth vader comics um that are going on right now where i'm ochi way behind i need to get on it <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> you probably want to read those before this book comes out. I'll say that. Okay. But just more yeah. stuff with Ochi and his connection to the Sith. Um, just a lot of cool stuff to be excited about. I mean, this whole thing about the mysterious envoy of the Sith Eternal. I mean, <laughs> just that description right there just uh, leaves you with questions. What's that's all about? So, yeah, I, there's a, everything that's being described about this book. I just can't wait to dive in and read it when it comes out. Yeah, definitely. And even... Um... You know, and, and Paul, when I was talking about stuff being like made up on the spot, I wasn't talking about them like making it up on set or like ad-libbing stuff or whatever, but I'm talking about even them writing the script. Like I know it was planned out before it was shot, but it was stuff that felt like it had no basis in any of the other movies is more what I'm talking about. And I'm not mm. squarely blaming JJ and Chris Terrio for that because you guys know, even with Force Awakens and Last Jedi, which I enjoy, like I criticize the sequel trilogy as a whole for just the sort of lack of cohesion between the three movies and, you know, the the lack of planning that went into the overall story for this trilogy. Um, 
And so for a book to go in and, and, you know, to take place before The Force Awakens and start planting the seeds of that story to make it feel like, oh, this is something that's been going on all along and not something that they thought of just going into this movie that doesn't really have any connection to anything that came before it. Like, case in point, Lando at the end of the movie talking to Janna and saying like, hey, where are you from, kid? Let's find out. And then you open the visual guide and find out, oh, wait, she's supposed to be his daughter? What? Like, where the heck did that come from? Like, you know, why is that a thing? Why was that sort of hinted at and not even confirmed in the movie and it had no bearing on the plot whatsoever? So to finally, you know, get that story fleshed out, um, along with the stuff with like, you know, Luke and Ochi and the dagger and all that. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, how much this just sort of helps flesh out the story of not just The Rise of Skywalker, but the the sequel trilogy in general. Again, you know, maybe you read this and and with that context of knowing that there were other people besides just Palpatine, um, you know, Ochi and maybe even like Luke and Lando, maybe they find out uh, before The Force Awakens that, you know, maybe that Rey is Palpatine's granddaughter, or at least that Palpatine or some Sith entity might be out there and that he has a child and that, you know, that some of this stuff is kind of going on. And like, maybe Luke tells Han about that, who tells Maz. And then in The Force Awakens, when everybody's like, what's with the girl and acting all mysterious around Rey, then that'll add some more context to those interactions too. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm really looking forward to seeing, um, you know, how this sort of builds on that and, and how this adds some of that context. And I'm trying not to get my hopes up too high. Like, obviously I'm not expecting this one novel to completely change my view of the entire sequel trilogy and make me love all three movies and make them all feel super connected and coherent. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing how many of those gaps and holes it can kind of smooth over and, and maybe just raise my, my overall uh, enjoyment of the trilogy just a little bit. I think that would be a win. Um, but that's coming up June 28th, uh, 2022. I also did want to mention real quick. So, um, Adam Christopher, who's the author of this one, uh, after this was announced, he, he posted on Twitter and he said, okay, three things about Star Wars Shadow of the Sith that I can say that won't get me in trouble. Uh, one, he talked about books that he took influences from, and he said, Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith, uh, which is still my favorite Star Wars book of all time. Um, also, Michael Stackpole's X-Wing books and Charles Soule's Light of the Jedi. Um, I haven't read any of the X-Wing novels, but like uh, Revenge of the Sith and also Light of the Jedi are two fantastic books. And so I said, you know, I, I retweeted that and I was like, man, uh, you know, a story about Luke and Lando set in between episode six and seven that's done in the style of, your, you know, at least takes influence from the Revenge of the Sith novel and Light of the Jedi. That sounds awesome. Um and then he also said it's set in 21 ABY. So I think that's what, like 16, 17 years after Return of the Jedi. Um, and then number three, he said, I hope you like lightsabers as much as I do. So um, <laughs> if nothing else, that means hopefully we'll get a lot of action with Luke with his green lightsaber, which is also something that I you know, missed seeing in the sequel trilogy. But um, who knows, maybe he's going to cross paths with some of these Sith Eternal people, or maybe there's going to be more people with lightsabers than just Luke. Um, who knows, but I mean, you know, just between the premise and between that stuff that he tweeted out, that's enough to got, to get me, uh, really excited to get my hands on this book when it comes out in June of next year. Um, and then before that, we've got one other novel that's coming out May 10th, 2022, and this is Star Wars Brotherhood by Mike Chen. 
Um, and this is about Obi-Wan and Anakin during the Clone Wars. So once again, something that you know I'm going to be snatching up day one, and uh, I'll probably finish that in about a week, because if there's one thing that will get me reading Star Wars books, it's Clone Wars stuff. Um, but this says, uh, you know, I'll just read the synopsis for this one as well. It says, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker must stem the tide of the raging Clone Wars and forge a new bond as Jedi Knights. The Clone Wars have begun. Battle lines are being drawn throughout the galaxy. With every world that joins the Separatists, the peace guarded by the Jedi Order is slipping through their fingers. After an explosion devastates Cato Nemoidia, the jewel of the Trade Federation, the Republic is blamed and the fragile neutrality of the planet is threatened. The Jedi dispatch Obi-Wan Kenobi, one of the Order's most gifted diplomatic minds, to investigate the crime and maintain the balance that has begun to dangerously shift. As Obi-Wan investigates with the help of a heroic Neomoidian guard, he finds himself working against the Separatists who hope to draw the planet into their conspiracy, and senses the sinister hand of Asajj Ventress in the mists that cloak the planet. Amid the brewing chaos, Anakin Skywalker rises to the rank of Jedi Knight. Despite the mandate that Obi-Wan travel alone, and his former master's insistence that he listen this time, Anakin's headstrong determination means nothing can stop him from crashing the party and bringing along a promising but conflicted youngling. Once a Padawan to Obi-Wan, Anakin now finds himself on equal but uncertain footing with the man who raised him. The lingering friction between them increases the danger for everyone around them. The two knights must learn a new way to work together, and they must learn quickly to save Cato Nemoidia and its people from the fires of war. To overcome the threat uh, they face, they must grow beyond master and apprentice, and they must stand together as brothers. So that also sounds like, you know, just something right up my alley, you know, set at the beginning of the Clone Wars. We're It sounds like we're probably going to finally get a canon version of the story of Anakin becoming a Jedi Knight, which is something that, you know, it's kind of hard to believe that we haven't gotten after all the Clone Wars stuff that we've got. Um, but yeah, just getting to see that early transition period of him from Apprentice to Knight and the way that that changes the dynamic of him and Obi-Wan's relationship and really kind of starting to um, establish that friendship and that brotherhood that we see in the Clone Wars and then in Revenge of the Sith. Um, and of course, <laughs> you know, we're going to finally get to see the business on Cato Nemoidia yeah. <laughs> that doesn't count. Uh, get to see them dealing with Ventress, get to see, I wonder who this youngling is that Anakin's going to bring along. Um, but, and it also mentions, you know, Obi-Wan working with a heroic Neomoidian. So that's going to be fun to see. Cause you know, those are usually slimy backstabbers, but we'll see if we can actually trust this so-called heroic Neomoidian. Um, but this one sounds like a lot of fun. Like I said, anything Clone Wars, you know, I'm there for, but especially, uh, you know, something is, or, you know, exploring that brotherhood between Anakin and Obi-Wan. I'm really looking forward to that as well. So, um, yeah, two, two Star Wars books on my slate for next year that are not just like, oh, interesting. I might check that out. Those are like, no, I'm definitely sitting down and reading this one. Yeah, this sounds really cool too. The only nitpick I have about it is if we're going to see or read about Anakin being knighted for the first time, I kind of feel like something we should see on screen, whether it's in animated form or anything can happen now with flashbacks and live action. Uh, But I just feel such an important moment as we saw, I thought it was done really well in the Gendy Clone Wars series, as we talked about in the commentary, just how cool that was. And I just hope for the Canon version, something as important as that, I think we should probably see it rather than read it. But, um, that aside it does sound like a cool story to 
see kind of at least their first mission together as Jedi Knights and not Master and Apprentice, which should be cool to see. And as you said, uh, finding out what's the thing that Obi-Wan doesn't count <laughs> as, as far as Anakin saving him for the ninth time, according to Obi-Wan. So that should be a lot of fun, too. So, yeah, I'm excited for this one as well. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I was in... Um... I Labyrinth think, of Evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Labyrinth of Evil, they had the business on Cato Nemoidia, but that was like right at the end of the Clone Wars. And obviously that's a Legends novel now. So it's interesting to see. Like when this was first announced, just the fact that it was set on Cato Nemoidia, I didn't even think about, you know, that line. Um, but I think I, because I also started following Mike Chen, who's the author of this book. And he, he either like tweeted that gif or like retweeted it from somebody who, you know, mentioned like, oh, so we're finally going to see the business on Cato Nemoidia. And I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, I guess they moved it around in the timeline, but it'll be fun to see whatever that ends up being. Maybe Obi-Wan says it doesn't count because Anakin wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. Yeah, it's always going to be something like that. <laughs> or he ends up, you know, causing some situation that he then has to save Obi-Wan from. And it's like, man, if you weren't here, I wouldn't have needed you to save me in the first place. <laughs> But um, yeah, those both sound like a lot of fun. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to reading those next year. Um, and, you know, after these come out, we'll have to do some kind of, you know, book review episode or something like we keep saying we're going to do for the High Republic. But um, <laughs> we'll, we'll have, have to reread the last one again before we <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to get to that at some point and just kind of recap some of the, the High Republic stuff and the comics and stuff that have come out this past year. Um but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's also this uh, Star Wars Bring Home the Bounty thing that's going on right now that this is kind of like this year's version of Force Friday. We're on StarWars.com like every Tuesday, uh, every week from now, I think through the end of the year, um, you know, they, they have like exclusive reveals of new products and stuff. They're going to be out. They've been doing it for two weeks so far and they've had new, the big stuff has basically been just like Funko Pops and Black Series figures and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it looks like sometime in December, we might get a video game reveal, which is kind of surprising because we thought we weren't going to get anything till next year, at least from EA. But we know we've got uh, some other studios with some Star Wars stuff in the works. And we were talking about this before we started recording and looking at the, the calendar. And uh, it looks like the Game Awards are um, like the week right before that. And, uh, you know, sometimes they have reveal trailers and stuff there. So. Um, that's something to keep an eye on that, you know, we might get a new Star Wars game announced in December. But other than that, you know, if you're a collector, keep an eye on that for all the new figures and, and collectibles and stuff that are coming out before the end of the year. Um, but yeah, aside from that, um, you know, we'll just be chilling and waiting for the Book of Boba Fett to come out. But uh, also, you know, looking forward to Disney Plus Day in a couple of weeks and we'll definitely be back to recap whatever trailers and announcements and stuff we get on that day. Um, but before we wrap up and head out, uh, Tim, I know you put out some some uh, stuff for the listeners on social media. So did we get any responses on that? Yeah. So when the Anakin or Hayden Christensen news came out about him coming back as Anakin for the Ahsoka series, um, I immediately thought, obviously, what we talked about, is it going to be flashbacks or is it going to come back as a force ghost? So I put a poll up to see what everyone wanted to see the most. And I didn't put the option for both on there because I know that's something we'd all want to see anyway. So <laughs> if we get both, great. But if it's only one or the other, I was curious to see um, what fans wanted to see more of. And flashbacks actually 
came in front at 66.7% over Anakin being a Force Ghost, which is only 33.3%, which kind of surprised me, actually. I thought it would be a little more even and maybe even Force Ghost kind of out doing it just by a little bit. I'm kind of for the reasons we talked about um, when we were discussing it, but apparently the having flashbacks as far as Anakin and Ahsoka and the Clone Wars holds a lot of weight for people <laughs> as far as what would be awesome to see. And I won't disagree with that. That would be awesome. But if I had to pick or choose, I definitely would go with the Force Ghost route. But um, we'll see what wins out in the end. Um, but then uh, put out a question as far as uh, kind of what specifically some fans would want to see on Anakin coming back. So uh, Paul at Mr. Pustu on Twitter responded saying he'd love to see a flashback to the duel on Malachor, which you alluded to, Kyle. And boy, (laughs) if we got just even a few shots here and there of that duel between Ahsoka and Vader in live action, that would be more icing on top of icing (laughs) of that delicious cake. And even if we just hear... Because if we just see a shot of Anakin as Vader with his cracked helmet and he says oh. those lines in live action, I mean, goosebumps all over again, right? Oh, <laughs> it would just man. Be incredible. So we'll see if we get that, but it's going to be interesting to say the least as far as what actually are they going to use Hayden coming back as Anakin in this series. But I have full confidence that no matter what it is, it's going to be amazing. So the hard part is just being patient for when we do get to see it when the Soka show premieres. So, but yeah, just been a lot of fun over the last few days, just thinking about it, just all the different possibilities and just how exciting this news really is for, you know, obviously not just us, as we're talking about on this episode, but just seeing from most Star Wars fans online and social media, just a lot of fun seeing the excitement for it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you to you guys for, for chiming in on that and voting in the polls and everything. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm with you. I I'm more hoping to see him as a Force Ghost, but um, I'm I'm really hoping for both or anything really. I mean, again, just just the fact that we're going to be seeing Anakin and Ahsoka together in live action, I still kind of just haven't gotten past that part. Uh, I don't care, you know, flashback, uh, Force Ghost, World Between Worlds, whatever it is. Just seeing the two of them together again is going to be awesome. So. Um, but yeah, thank again, thank you guys for um, for chiming in on that, for tuning in. Um, as always, you can follow us online, uh, follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. You can check out our website at starwarstsc.com or send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, let us know what you think of the show, what you're excited about for all this upcoming Star Wars stuff. Um and, uh, of course, be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Uh, but that's going to do it for now. Um, looking forward to being back and uh, talking more great Star Wars stuff with you guys next time. But that's going to do it for now. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time. And may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. God. Speed. Rebel.